This is the Movie Hall of Fame 2021 in review for Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. And there he is on the other side of the Jitsi call, my little domestic terrorist. <laughs> it's Adam Hall. Hi. What domestic terrorist? That's new. What made you think of a domestic terrorist? Because you ruined New Year's for everybody. Oh, oh yeah. I, You're I, the I, Grinch that stole New Year's. I killed Nick. I killed him. It's it's on me. It's on me, guys. Nick committed an act, or Adam committed an act of domestic terrorism against Nick. Yeah. And not me, because I'm I have God on my side. That's true. But uh, Adam has COVID. Sort of. I don't know if I have COVID anymore. <laughs> well, you had COVID at one point, and it was yeah. enough to give Nick COVID, which was enough to cancel New Year's Eve for Nick. I know. I'm so sorry, Nick. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> I was upset for a little bit, and then I was like, maybe he doesn't care that much. <laughs> oh, he cared. He did? He definitely no. cared. He was very upset. I no. spoke to him about it. He's like, Adam is such a motherfucker. I'm never <laughs> going to be in the same room as him again without a hazmat suit on. <laughs> You guys, two years, man. It took you guys two years to get it, and you got it at the absolute most inopportune time. I was shocked by how inopportune it was. It's as if they were, they, it's as if Big Brother was watching me. It's like, that <laughs> motherfucker ain't going out for New Year's. Not this time. I'm telling you that right now. It was insanely good, bad timing. <laughs> right. Right. Uh,. So. Yeah, so uh, Happy New Year, guys. We yeah, were supposed Happy to do this last week, but of course, uh, one illness after another, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I, I think it was actually good that we waited another week, because I was I able to squeeze in some more stuff. Um, and it's our favorite show of the year, right, Adam? Yeah, this is a fun one. It's this nice blend of like film appreciation and dumb bickering, mm. which, which we love to do. You know, Kind of our brand here. Yeah, I like that. I like that. But you, you were lazy. I actually put in work in the last time we did this show. I put in work, yeah. baby. Oh, my God. Let's get into this. How many movies did you end up seeing in the year 2021? I saw a grand total of 80 films in 2021. Oh, goodness gracious. 80 films. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it did me, man. Yeah. I ended with 67. Okay. Normally, I smoke you in these things, but uh, Adam just back this year with a vengeance. <laughs> well, <laughs> it got to that because <laughs> I was curious. It's like I, I, we were joking about this over text, but this is this has been the long time in a while where I just went this hard in a year. I used to do this a lot and mm -hmm. it made me like very depressed about like the way I would look at films or watch them. You know, you become hypercritical if you see too many films in succession. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I, I need to like really calm down and it felt much better, which is why like on average I do like, I don't know, close to 60 films a year. Yeah. Of, yeah. That's about yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, okay, let's, because I don't care. I'm, I was like pissed off. The year was not ending well. I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> hurt myself more than I was already hurting. <laughs> so I said, I'm going a full ham on this one. I'm even going to watch the shit. And I watched the shit, baby. Wow. Uh, and I squeezed in, since the last time we spoke, 26 films. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Did a lot of them make your top 10 list? Uh, let me see a few of them did. Okay. Okay. I think three, three of them, did. four, four of them did. So having seen uh, more movies than me, what, what's your takeaway from this year? Let's go big picture. Big right? picture. Yeah. Let's look at your list. 
I, well, I say one of the shittier years in a while. And I know like that's kind of an unpopular opinion because like this was the year that movies came back. You know, yeah. this is the year that we got another Spielberg and another Paul Thomas Anderson and uh, two Ridley Scott movies mm-hmm. and the theaters were opened up. The, the MCU came back and everybody's super excited. Um, but then I really look at this as a whole. There are good movies this year, as there always are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like last year was better. I thought so, too. Yeah, there was there, there was this year was like filled with underwhelming uh, entries, I thought, like like films that I think a lot of people were excited for that ultimately were not all that great or yeah. we're just so sort of like okay like there were just lots of movies like even the ones that are the most popular i was just kind of like eh you know it was fun you know i like i i enjoyed spider-man no way home enough but like whatever man i don't care right i mean for me it's like like dune was the most exciting one that actually paid off but like that was it yeah that's you know, one movie <laughs> Yeah, I feel like House of Gucci in a weird way was the most sort of characteristic of this year. You it's know? the one that got to you, certainly. I know y- that. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that I thought like, okay, this is what I go to the movies for, you know? <laughs> and like, this is why I'm excited to finally return. You know, we had a mm. year off where like Tenet was the only major oh blockbuster, you know, that came out in 2020. And, you know, th- but there were still a, a decent number of like streaming movies that I really liked. Um but House of Gucci was the one where it's like these are huge movie stars directed by Ridley Scott. It's over long. There's a lot of like memeable stuff in here. Yeah. Like there's something very communal about the trashiness of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went into it and it just was like a mediocre Ridley Scott movie. And yep. like I, I felt like with a lot of these, particularly with like the the big budget stuff, like we're just sort of going through the motions here. Like it was the first year that I didn't see every MCU movie that came out. Oh yeah. Um, normally I see those all in the theaters and this year I only saw Spider-Man in the theaters. Um, you know, I, I, I thought Dune was fine, but it really didn't speak to me so much. Um, and I look at like the Oscar movies. I look at like King Richard, which was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty good. It was pretty good. I I look at Don't Look Up, which was a fucking disaster. Uh, (laughs) On many levels. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, let's do this. Do you want to do our bottom fives? Do you Uh, have that information in front of you? (laughs) Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. It's funny, though, when talking about big budget movies, because I do think Dune is by far the most significant. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I, I guess... Well, I guess we'll save my thoughts to that because I guess we'll talk about it when we're getting to my top tens and why my list is sort of unconventional in that way. But I definitely think in terms of like the big budget films, Dune was by far the more significant film to come out this year. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Yeah, I think if you had to, I mean, we do this a lot on the Movie Hall of Fame. We pick not necessarily what the best movie of a particular year is, but what was the most important and significant. And it feels like Dune and one other movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll definitely talk about. I think had the greatest crossover of like mainstream cultural appeal, critical appeal, and also like decent box office numbers. Exactly. You which know? surprised me for for Dune in particular, and I we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that. I, no, I that like was a big s- hit. I mean, yeah. good on them, man. They 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 did it. <laughs> I'd like to say, Nico, it was nice that you were one hundred and ten percent wrong about Dune. I just want to say, that. I was. I was entirely wrong. I'll eat that out. <laughs> I'll eat it. I'm very happy that you got the yell on that one. I'll eat it hard. <laughs> What's your bottom five? Okay, here we go. Bottom five. I mean, the first one's obvious. It's Malcolm and Marie, because fuck that movie. That's your no- number one worst movie of the year? Number 80. <laughs> wow. <laughs> number 80. Well, technically, okay, well, to peel back the curtain, it's actually number 79, 
because one film is disqualified from the list. We'll talk what? about that. One film is disqualified from my top 10. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But oh, yeah. got it. Got yeah, yeah. Got it. So uh, 79 is Malcolm and Marie. Uh-huh. Uh, 78 is Space Jam A New Legacy. Also and, online. Yeah. yeah. And I know we both didn't like Annette, but dude, I hated Don't Look Up so much more. It's number three. It's, not, it's three from the bottom. Myself fuck, as well. Yes. Myself as well. I fucking hated it so much. Oh, it was, it was the most worthless experience I've had in a while, man. God, what a piece of garbage. I went Space Jam and New Legacy, Halloween Kills, and then Don't Look Up at number three. Wow. Halloween okay, Kills is to, that low. Damn. Yeah, Halloween Kills is just an atrocious movie. Yeah, it's really uh, bad. L- yeah. All right, let's talk Don't Look Up for a second. This is one of those movies that I watched it and I'm like, I am like questioning my lifelong devotion to moving picture. It's shameful, isn't it? Whatever this movie is. How do you do this? How does he, how do you bring this, how do you bring these people together to do this? It's, um, well, okay. It, so it's, it might get some Oscar love. I don't know. Like it. It, it, critics are divided on it for sure and it's yep. still like the number one movie on netflix if you look at the top 10 so it definitely did well and i saw <laughs> that it, it got like some critics choice nominations well, and the afi awards gave it to him but like this movie makes me want to never watch the oscars ever again do you know what i mean yeah. like this yeah. is exactly what is wrong with award season mm-hmm. is you take a guy who has had some oscar success an oscar winner yeah. in adam mckay right uh, you pair him with the 10 most interesting actors alive and you make something that is so wrong on so many fucking levels <laughs> in this desperate attempt to like attract headlines on Netflix and to attract a, a, a awards buzz. Yep. Um, but everything here is so fucking wrong. I yep. mean, the ending of this movie, Adam, you go from an unfunny slapstick comedy, a truly unfunny comedy for the first two hours, mm-hmm. and then you give us 20 minutes of the worst tonal shift I've ever seen. Like, this is such a bad movie. With <laughs> Who's the best, like performer in this is it jonah hill like who's good i hated jonah hill no 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 no. i hated jonah hill give me a silver lining like everything here is so fucking wrong yeah yeah i have nothing good to say about this film it's like i i hate the notion where it's like we want you to take us very 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 seriously with all these lofty ideas but um we also want you to have a good time while you're taking us (laughs) very seriously here we also want you to laugh at our slapstick stupidity we want the contrast between um jennifer lawrence's character and jonah hill's character was giving me an aneurysm yeah and just how poorly suited they are to be in a scene together because they're in just totally different movies um also by the way everyone's in a different movie that's the yeah it's like does do you got do you have any idea what you're even making at this point it is the nastiest movie i've seen in a while it's mean-spirited top to bottom it's not fun it's not funny no one's particularly good in it and uh (laughs) kate blanchett is like the 10th lead in this movie i know what is going on then there's mark rylance uh uh uh, i thought he was at least trying something he was certainly trying something you know <laughs> i don't know if that something was any good uh he was trying something what was he doing was that like jennifer a, lawrence wasn't trying anything this is you know <sighs> meryl streep wasn't trying anything no 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 I, I i thought it was all like 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 
God, it was just so, I, I don't know. There's just nothing interesting about what anybody was doing here. And I also thought like, damn, it's been a while since I've seen Jennifer Lawrence in anything. And this is what you come back for. I know, man. Damn. It was such, such a, such a disappointment. Man, Adam McKay is a weird one. I, I don't know. His conceits are very uh, frustrating. They're not, they're certainly not what I go to the movies for. And I, it's just constantly getting in the way. I don't know. I, I, I ugh. Yeah, he's a very angry filmmaker. I know. Like he's, he's just like a really angry, mean-spirited, like, you know. Uh, yeah, it, I, I liked the big short, and it makes me question why, you know? No, like, exactly. I'm thinking back, like, I'm looking back on it like, man, was I, like, really crazy to like that movie? I feel like I was entertained by it, and it was entertaining, but that's, a, you know, it, I, I feel like the big short was sort of the, the trial run for this thing. You know, yeah, here's Adam McKay, who at this point in time had just made stupid bro comedies. It's just Anchorman and the other guys and Step Brothers, all of which like I kind of like. Talladega Nights, I think is funny. You know, he had made those movies, and now he's gonna make a transition into serious filmmaking, mm. and he's gonna do it with Christian Bale and Ryan Gosling uh, and Brad Pitt. Um, and like, it's gonna work. And then he's gonna make Vice, which is. Uh, I think a step in the wrong direction and here we are in its final form and I mm-hmm. do not like what I see. No, you do see the, 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 the stepping stones there. Cause, cause it's like, yeah, I, I personally didn't like vice at all, but like it's there, there's, there's things to tolerate in it. There are performances to enjoy. Um, I basically think it plays like propaganda. Yeah, but there are <laughs> but, serious laughs though. Sh- sh- sure. But ag- again, I don't think the execution is always uh, there. There's certainly attempts to be funny and, and satirical that just come off feeling, uh, I don't know, kind of inappropriate. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. It's just his brand of comedy is just not pleasant at all. There's, there's just that smugness to it a lot of the time, even in the big short, but the big short, there's like a tempered quality to it. I don't know. It's like, it's like he wasn't angry enough in the big short so so it was like played back just enough right i don't know it's such a weird career and he also directed the pilot for one of my favorite shows of all time succession yeah he's he's the driving force behind that show uh helped get it made is still a producer um i mean without adam mckay we just wouldn't have that show and uh you know, looking back on it now, thank God the man never directed more than just one episode. Yeah. Thank God, because you can see the sort of the 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 bones of Don't Look Up in Succession. You can see. see it there, right? Mm-hmm. You can because the characters in Succession are all. By the way, you need to fucking watch that show, and I don't know what you're waiting on. You mm-hmm. literally got the plague, and you were locked in a, in a in your room for five days. Just watch the fucking show already. Um, but like that's a show where every character is as horrible as Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill and don't look up like they're just horrendous people that have very little redeeming qualities um, and you can tell if Adam K was in the writer Adam McKay was in the writer's room if Adam McKay was directing he would definitely um, stick his nose up at those people right uh. like he he would definitely um, uh, make no attempts to find the humanity but one of the genius things about that show is that all of these people are real and Mm -hmm. you love them despite the fact that they're some of the worst people you've ever met you know um and that's just what he's missing here right that's what he's missing with don't look up is you have absolute heroes and absolute villains and the villains are so cartoonish that you miss the satire like the satire is so over the top that you actually miss it and 
then at the end, you have this moment at the dinner table that rings so untrue because Leo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are too good. Yeah. You know, like it's this just total absolute morality in movies. I find so exhausting. (laughs) I just find it so fucking exhausting. And thank you for getting succession on the air out of McKay, but thank you for stepping away from it because like, Oh yeah. Writing it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I I just, I find him to be a very irritating director. Very irritating. Yeah. 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 Certainly an irritating director and irritating writer, but I guess it is also brought upon by a lot of the direction too, because some, sometimes like a lot of the, the satirical gags are the editing or Mm -hmm. are done through the editing Mm -hmm. and you can really feel like, like that, that just, I don't know, like I said, that kind of mean-spirited approach to every single decision that he makes. Right. Uh, and what, what, what was your number four? I, number four? Yeah. Uh, did you have more thoughts on Don't Look Up? I don't mean to cut you off. Well, you know, it's bad when, like, like you're doing this <laughs> this kind of sat. I'm not, I mean, if you could do it smaller, I guess, it, 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 this would have worked. Like, it works in, in okay. I shouldn't want the entire planet to blow up by the end of Don't Look Up, but I definitely do. Yeah. I definitely do. Not just like the bad. I don't just want the bad guys to die. I want everybody (laughs) to die. That's a problem. That's a problem. Right. (laughs) It's like you couldn't find any humanity in humanity. Like, really? Really? (laughs) I just don't believe this, man. Like, I understand people suck, but they would try a little harder than that. (laughs) Yeah, Adam McKay and the, his uh, fellow screenwriter, I forget the guy's name, um, were on Twitter this week sort of hitting back at the critics. Yeah, um, I saw some of that too. And McKay, you know, said something along the lines of, listen, you can feel however you want about the movie, but if you're not a little concerned about climate change, then this movie probably won't mean anything to you. And like, that's just like, fuck off, dude. Like, yeah. you as the filmmaker, it's your job to make us care. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we yep. don't need to have to come into something with a fear or, uh, and by the way, like, I think most people are a little fucking concerned about what's going on in the world. I sure. think that, that's definitely a fear sure. that we all share in some way, shape or form. It's your job to tap into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. It, it, if you're not afraid of fucking shark attacks when you go to the ocean, right, <laughs> it, and you watch Jaws, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be afraid of, of what Spielberg does, right? Like, it's it's Spielberg's job to make you afraid of something that might feel <laughs> sort of distant or that something that you may not consider. I mean, that's like the idea of satire is to get people thinking about something that they weren't thinking about heading into the movie. Like if you're just coming into it with your own sort of preconceived notions about the world and your own political opinions and like your own mm-hmm. biases and the director is just confirming all of those biases and political opinions so what what have we done here we've done masturbation do you know what i mean like oh, we yeah, haven't yeah. done filmmaking we haven't done art you know well, we've they, done something far more um you, you well you self yeah. self-congratulatory do you know what well, i mean oh absolutely i mean it's still art it's just indulgent as all hell it's, and yeah. it's not really getting at anything i mean that that's a terrible terrible logic that he holds i mean i'm not as scared of aliens man i'm just not scared right. of aliens but not at all I, but I'm scared of the xenomorph when I see it for the first time. I don't know. It freaked me out. I have no fucking connection to that whatsoever. But when I first saw Alien, guess what? It worked mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's your job to make that thing work. Right. I don't. It's it's a it's a completely flawed mindset. I'm sorry, but yes, like right. yeah, you could do a climate change movie that scares the hell out of me about climate change. This didn't do that. Sorry. <laughs> and that's true. And there are also there's a lot of fear in the idea that authority doesn't know 
what they're doing. People in positions of power are are uh, are silent in the face of mass fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an, like when you were a child and like you were like really scared of something and you, you were scared of the boogeyman in your closet and yeah. your parents didn't do anything about it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Your parents didn't take that concern seriously. I mean, that is a real tangible human fear, whether or not it's linked to climate change. So, yes. you know, this idea that like you, your audience was just like too stupid or too ill-informed to understand what your movie was going for or to be emotionally moved by your movie. Fuck you. Like no, it's, 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 it's your job to, to make me feel that way. Yes. And if you if I don't feel that way, that's because you failed, not me. Yeah, it's on him. It is absolutely on him. Like that's just <laughs> take so responsibility. I mean, yeah, like I the movies like this, I just I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this kind of discourse. Like it's <sighs> nobody should. There were no, so the f- many good movies this year that were not this. And yeah, it's so dumb that I- this is the one that we're talking about, you know? <laughs> well, it's like Adam okay, I hope you feel good that you basically destroyed the conversation think about that like like this did not help in any meaningful way you only made it worse yeah (sighs) get cracking on anchorman 3 my guy oh yeah yeah seriously you're in the writer's room no as far as i'm concerned he's he's completely useless when he does this (laughs) and it does make me want to revisit the big short like you said and say like maybe i missed something here (sighs) oh god i don't know what not good man horrible movie what else did you have there in your in your bottom five Uh, annette um, yes, me too. And and these next two are kind of like, eh, whatever. Like they they might even be better than they are at this bottom. I just put them here kind of on principle. Uh, Princess Switch three, and then a Castle for Christmas. But who gives a shit? Uh, really, Willy's Wonderland, then Mortal Kombat, Army of the Dead. Oh and, my god! Yeah, forgot Halloween. about Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I saw Mortal Kombat, and then Halloween Kills is above Army of the Dead. I actually hated Army of the Dead a little bit more. Uh, yeah, bottom five for me, and this can change any day. Same, Annette at number five, uh, Army of the Dead number four, Don't Look Up at three, Halloween Kills at two, Space Jam, A New Legacy. I am shocked that number Halloween one. Kills is that low. I mean, it's very low for me. It's number 70, but jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all but yeah, Princess Switch towards the bottom, Willie's Wonderland towards the bottom, uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday, believe it or not, towards the bottom. Okay. Uh, malignant hovering around there, although malignant? I, I, don't really, uh, is... I don't really hate it. What, with the woman in the window sort of down there for me, Shang-Chi kind of down there. Malignant's number 46 for me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I grew, Malignant Halfway grew on, up the list. Malignant grew on me. I don't I don't dislike Malignant at all. I would draw the good bad line on my list at about 45. Uh for me it's they start becoming good at 56. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's pretty good. You saw 50 good movies this year. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I but this this is the problem. Is like I'm not it's one of those years where it's like there. I could say I love most of the movies in my top ten, but I'm not necessarily enthusiastic about them, and that's mm. the real shame, I guess. There's a, there are like three that I'm enthusiastic about, and then four that I I, I loved and appreciated, but like they were like one of them in particular was a very hard watch. Yeah, uh, for me there there are two great movies this year. Only two. There's only two. Damn. No, I have a few great movies. Yeah. I imagine it's the same as your two. I don't know, though. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's two. And then the rest are movies that I really appreciate. Here, okay. So let's get to the top tens now. Here was sort of my my logic here, right? Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of movies this year 
and I won't name them in particular, but they're because they might make your list. But there were a lot of like understated, well crafted, good indie movies that came out this year. And that's the majority of my list, I right. think. There yeah. were a lot. And I and I watched several of them and they all sort of occupy the same space in my head. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, That's a good movie. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then that was it. And I tried straying away from those choices in the top 10. Like I I tried picking 10 movies that as I was watching them, I was rollicked by, you know, like I've tried picking some stuff that like shook me to my core or like really invigorated me. I I wanted something a little more electric. Yeah, Um, I tried to do that too. As opposed to like, you know, the movies about a couple going on vacation and talking about their marriage, you know, which there (laughs) were a bunch of those this year. That's what I, because that that is a Nico list, the thing you just described, couples going on vacations and talking about their marriage. There were a bunch of them. (laughs) So you you went in the Adam direction this time. I think I did. I think I strayed more Adam with this list. Now, does that mean that those top 10 are the best movies definitively? I don't think um, but they were definitely the movies that moved me the most on an emotional level. So I, long story short, less with my head, more with my heart with this that's, top 10. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. And I always do 11. So that means I go first, right? Yeah. All okay. Right. <laughs> Number 11 for you, sir. The Last Duel. Ah, pretty low. Out of 80. This is the thing. I, okay. So I was telling this to Abby and I was showing her my rank and she's like, oh, that's pretty low. I'm like, I saw 80 movies. That's right. good. That's really high up there. No, 11 is a good fucking spot. <laughs> uh, I'll just say now I have it at number six. Oh, cool. Okay. That's not number what six. I have at number six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's directed by Ridley Scott. Yes. Uh, it is. Written by uh, Nicole Holson. Holland Seffer? Holland Seffer. Holland. Mm-hmm. Halef Center. Good enough. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yep. Also stars Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, and Ben Affleck. Uh, the this is a movie that when it came out, uh, it made no money at the box office, and a bunch of like uh, blogs wrote think pieces about how you know mainstream adult films are dying, original adult concepts are dying, uh, and this sort of became the poster child for <sighs> cinema is dead. Yeah. In big, bold lettering. And I guess I can't disagree all too much because if 20 years ago you said Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are have written a, a swords and shield drama directed by Ridley Scott fresh off a of gladiator, I don't know how this thing doesn't make $150 million. And know? back then, though, but what was the time? Timing is everything. And it also is. casting nowadays is everything, too. Mm. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's probably just a good chance that maybe people weren't in the mood to go see, a you know, an adult you know, medieval drama that's kind of slow. And uh, I mean, I don't even know if it's slow, but it's long. And maybe this is not the type of long movie that people want with, you know, basically, I I don't know, man. I I just don't think Matt Damon does much for people anymore. That's also another thing. You know, look at Stillwater. That was another kind of problematic movie for people. Uh, Yeah. Did you end up seeing Stillwater? Yeah, I did. I never told you the movies I saw, by the way. Well, let's, you know, I want to save this. Did, did, Did it make your list? No. <laughs> did you not like it? I liked it fine. It was, okay. where is it on my list? Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's at 47. Yeah. yeah. Wow, pretty low. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I thought it was It's fine. number 15 for me. Damn, that's way too high, but okay. <laughs> I, I loved the Matt Damon performance. It's a good performance. Yeah. Uh, But like the, the first act is, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't 
particularly care for the mystery because I can see it a mile away what's going to yeah. happen. It's not even remotely uh, uh, um it's not even remotely surprising. Yeah. So for that reason, it's like, well, I don't like his daughter from the start because I know she killed the person. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it, I, I don't know, like it, the movie wasn't doing much for me to like care about like her struggle, particularly when she was getting mad at him. Uh, and also the third act is ridiculously bad. It's ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculously bad to, to the <laughs> You 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 undersold it a little to me because it's Did like I? it's 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 it one is, of the worst endings of the year. It's no, it's but, awful. Yeah, you it's horrible. You didn't, you didn't say like okay, this could ruin the movie. And I it, I think I explicitly did say that. No, but you were like you might still like it. It ain't that bad. I'm like this ending almost does make it that. I get why people were so frustrated. This no, is the, it's a top ten movie for me without that ending. No question. Okay, okay. I, I I I just for some reason ignored the ending because i loved the second act so much like, oh, i, I just think when the, when it becomes a matt damon like romantic comedy i just thought it was <laughs> great and everything with the daughter like i like i think you've it's hit fine, the nail on yeah. the head i don't i don't care about the daughter at all no, no um but or but the stuff with the girl's daughter the little girl is is just so charming, charming. Well. i yeah, just love that the movie went in that direction for like an hour you know well, it's i just in- i liked that it had the time to do that well, it's a beautiful little relationship. I even like when he develops the relationship with the French lady. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the second act of the movie I really enjoy. But like, yeah, the first act, nope. Third act, definitely not. And yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, it's a good movie. It, it did fall into that tier for me. Like 47, you know, like like I said, I saw 80 movies this year. That's that's in the the, the fine to or good. It's it's in the good category. I'm, I don't <laughs> hate this movie at all. <laughs> and I enjoyed large swaths of it. But yeah, I, I eh, not like on the whole, it's a pretty uneven experience. And that tonal shift with uh, going from a rom-com to a torture movie. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a part of the movie. <laughs> Better use of waterboarding. Still water or the card counter? Uh, still water. Wow. Yeah, I did not like I the card both. counter. I loved both, man. Card counter is uh, where is the card counter? Sixty four, <laughs> number eleven. Jesus Christ! I card just count- missed the top ten. Very card counters. About. I love that difference. Card counter sixty <laughs> fucking four on my list. <laughs> Movie fucking rules. Uh, uh, but la- last duel. Uh, yeah, no, I, I. This is a type of movie that. You know, I I think I was skeptical about because Ridley Scott sometimes is on his game, sometimes it isn't. It's kind of like the Two Face in Seinfeld, right? Like you never know which side of Ridley Scott you're gonna yeah. get. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this year, you literally had both sides of the coin. I mean, it was you, weird. It you, was weird. Yeah, you had House of Gucci, which was uh, I I just thought mostly unsuccessful in every way, and uh, and Last Duel, which is just like another. Ridley Scott classic just like a really sturdy well-made violent period piece with Mm -hmm. like a lot of cool ideas and great performances Mm -hmm. and he's one of those dudes that can just uh, just harness together the power of all these movie stars he's he's so good at this like he's so good at working on this scale and who knows how many more of these movies he has left in him I'm sure he can keep making them and as long as he's alive and walking around I guess Um, he's going to be doing part of the Blade Runner HBO show that's coming out. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Blade Runner's back, man. Blade it's Runner's back. Blade Runner's back. 
Uh, but yeah, I really like the last duel, and I I, yeah, I love the the Rashomon style of like mm. he said, she said, you know, great like, storytelling in this movie, like that show, The Affair. That's um, oh, good, yeah, and yeah, like a you know really moving third section, and the last duel, the titular last duel, it's just classic Ridley. It's insanely good. That that is a classic scene for me. It's like it's like the moment of the movie. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm glad it sold, but like I didn't expect it to be that good because Ridley Scott in the past couple of years has been very like wishy-washy for me it's mm. like as soon as he touches something i'm like i don't know who knows how it's gonna turn out because it could turn out like the counselor or it could be the martian you never know right you really never know um never know. but but it's obvious that he loved making this movie he had his heart in it like you can just feel it with like his single his signature touch on like every single thing mm-hmm. where it's like the house of gucci really could have been made by anybody honestly yes. you know yes Probably and probably should have been made by somebody else. Where it's like there is a feeling in the last duel where it's like, nope, it's Ridley Scott's story all the way. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Ben Affleck good in this movie. The fact that Ben Affleck's good in this movie, really good at this. I, I yeah, come on, man, really came <laughs> together here. I mean, Affleck and Damon. I think I said this to you. Should have made fifteen movies by now together. Know. You know, know, like and you know, they popped up and like. Kevin Smith movies or whatever and yeah. like they, they, they they've had a couple collaborations but I don't think that they I know for a fact they had not written a script together since Goodwill Hunting and it's yeah. kind of crazy that it took them this long I mean we've been robbed of so many of these these guys are just like really smart solid screenwriters yeah, yeah. you know I like I, yeah I was gonna say I had no no problems with that script it was a clever script yeah. <laughs> there's there's not, there's not many moments where it's like I, I wasn't invested or didn't buy that drama and it was also funny it, it was can be really funny yeah wasn't it yeah, it wasn't like super. Obviously, it's a rape drama. This yeah. is a drama about rape. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to take so it's not like a barrel of laughs. But no, it, it's got it, its it, moments. Yeah, it is like appropriate in that way. I also love too, just like the really smart choices in, in terms of like the conflicting stories. You, oh, the way they change. The movie, yeah, yeah, the movie is structured essentially. You know, Matt Damon tells his side in the first third then Adam Driver tells his side and then Jodie Comer tells her side and we're meant to believe that Jodie Comer's version is the version that actually happened right and Matt Damon is Jodie Comer's husband Adam Driver is a man that rapes her um and you know like you know that sort of technique you can be really obvious about it and heavy-handed but like in the Adam Driver section the sexual Mm. encounter that he has with Jodie Comer is rape yeah. You know what I mean? It's it just is. at that time, it may not have been thought as rape. So you're watching it and you're like, oh, this is pretty fucking disturbing. Like his mm-hmm. version of the story is rape. Surely there's no, nothing worse than this. And then you see the Jodie Comer's version yep. and it's even worse. Yeah. You it's know, a little more horrifying. And so like there's just like some really interesting nuances there. And I, I think Nicole Hollenseffer um helped a lot uh she's a great sort of screenwriter in her own right uh, she did the movie enough said mm-hmm. uh with uh, julia louis dreyfus and james gandolfini uh she i think wrote the script to the mr rogers movie oh really okay. yeah uh, i'm sure she helped with yeah. this a lot but i this movie could have gone so wrong in so many ways and it went so right you know i was worried it was going to go so wrong and i, I Maybe this is the thing. Like, I wasn't moved by the trailers by this movie, mm. and I was kind of worried it was just going to be like standard Ridley Scott mid- medieval fare because he's made some pretty kind of like whatever medieval films. But right. 
I didn't expect the story to be this, and I didn't expect it to be this well told. I didn't expect it to have this much passion behind it. And you're right about those nuances. It's one of the most compelling things about the movie is how each person's story changes. Like even like how Matt Damon's pride is not really shaken in his mm. version of the story. And then the minute you cut to the other sides of the story, it's like, oh God, man, you're pathetic. Yeah. I just I love those little 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 details. Even just the kiss. That that little decision with the kiss, how it's like this little like like uh, like I, what would you call it? It's like a not not ceremonial thing. It's a, a customary thing right. that she gives him this little like like pucker on the lips, and then yeah. you see the other sides of the story, and he's like macking on her, and it's like right. oh oh okay. But that it's little so subtle, yeah. I love it. I love that so much. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, okay, number ten for me, Adam. This is a movie about uh, about a beach. You have old on your list? And people that get old on it? Oh, no. Oh, that's bad, Nico. It's called that's old. A... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're... oh, oh, it's going to be one of those lists. <laughs> 68. Old! 68 for me, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's very low. Old, man. Yep. Listen, Bergman Island was fun. <laughs> That's the a Lost Daughter, good movie, you know, whatever. Both both involve people on beaches. That's a contemplating age, actually. That is a ridiculous number ten. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But okay, I'll hear it. That's fun. That's but fun. I want to go on the beach where they literally get old really, really fast. You my know? number my number ten's gonna bother you much more though, so don't worry. Old baby. Uh M Knight's back. I'm so happy that he's back. You're in the minority on that one, my friend. <laughs> he's back and he's back with a vengeance. Uh, based on the, right. the graphic novel Sandcastle. Of course, this thing stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Vicky Kripes, Rufus Sewell. Oh, fucking Rufus Sewell. Alex Wolf, what a year for him. And Thomason McKenzie, mm-hmm. what a year for her. Yeah. Uh, this thing made $90 million at the box office. It was one of like the, the box office success stories. The so feel good success stories. This in thing got that did that well. This movie, <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. Uh, it just an absolute blast. A hoot. Um, <laughs> it is entertaining as fuck. It, it's entertaining as hell. The filmmaking here is so inspired. Um, it, it only rivals two other movies on the list for me in terms of just like every frame is well considered. And I know that the choices are unconventional and they may not always work. And obviously it's a very messy movie with a dumb <laughs> twist at the end. And that's all true, whatever. Okay. Uh, but there are few experiences that I was more entertained by this year sure, than sure. old. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it made me feel stuff and mm-hmm. other movies made me think and contemplate and they're all very good, but this one made me feel something. That's uh, good. Yeah. And I, I can't take that away from it. You know? Yeah. I appreciate uh, that, yeah. Old, old. I mean, the the scene where, where the pregnancy is first revealed is uh, the hardest I laughed this year. <laughs> the hardest I laughed this year. Such a good time. Yeah, seeing this in the theater with Abby was a funny experience, to say the least. <laughs> I saw it with my little cousins, who oh definitely God. should not have been allowed to see this movie. But I took them to see it anyway, because I'm the cool older cousin. And... Uh, <laughs> This is a bold number 10. We were on vacation and I'm like, hey, middle schoolers, do you want to see the Green Knight and old with me? Oh, that you went and saw the Green Knight with me? Hell yeah. Oh, my God. 
Wow. <laughs> Their older cinephile cousin was just... You went and saw the green... Jeez. Teaching them about David Lowry. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, we had so much fun with old. They didn't understand the Green Knight. They hated it, but my, sure. my, my cousin Johnny loved old. Fucking right. loved it. That's... Uh, okay. <laughs> this fucking movie. It That's my number in- 10. It exists in 2021, man. That's all I can say. That's my number 10. All right. Number 10 uh, for you, sir. Licorice pizza. What? Yep. (laughs) I was just about to say, let's make worlds collide here. It's licorice pizza. And I thought about it for a while. Holy cow. Yep. Yep. What? Yep. For for those for the reasons you were talking about earlier with like looking at movies that just like stuck out or made me like really feel something visceral and distinct and and you know wholly unique, um, there were many other movies on the list that actually did that for me above something like Licorice Pizza, which is a movie I really loved. I really really loved Licorice Pizza, and it's it's a genuinely heartwarming experience top to bottom. But, you know, it's, it, I think it, it wouldn't have been this low on, you know, most other years, I think. And I think that's just because I was just looking for something to just hit me over the head with a shovel. And it took a lot. It, it took a lot of like goes at like watching a movie to do that. And so many films missed. Um, it's not to say that this one missed far from it, but it's just, you know, I was just looking for something to like, like, like knock me on my ass. And this wasn't quite that. And there were other movies on the list that did. But it's a delightful and uh, uh, um, amazing movie, really. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was your number one. So, uh, well, I'll just say we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, here, here's what I will say, though. And I, I think what you said is interesting because at first I got very mad at you. But now I'm thinking about this a lot more. Um, I, I made this video earlier this year about overhype, about the, the Donda Kanye oh, West release yeah. and how that took two years and I sort mm-hmm. of compared it to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse which mm-hmm. is another movie that like had hype and hype and hype and hype and then it came out and then two days later like we just stopped talking about it right and I do think now our relationship to culture specifically with the things that we really love is all a, a sort of uh, an exercise in potential you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that was sort of the point of the video that I made, right? Like the album Donda or the movie Spider-Man, or I'm sorry, No Way Home is not into the Spider-Verse. It's No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Spider-Verses currently many, happening at the same time. Too many Spider-Mans. I'm sick of all these Spider-Mans. A lot of Spider-Mans. Uh, <laughs> but the, the thing about those two movies is that before they came out, uh, they could be anything. Mm-hmm. And then once they do come out, they're just the thing. And what they are will never be as good as they are in your head, not because they aren't great, but because mm-hmm. your head has unlimited possibilities, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah, there, yeah. there's a, there, you don't have enough time to put in all the potential ideas and Easter eggs and stuff that you have in your own brain onto an actual album or into an actual movie. Um, and I kind of feel like I saw Licorice Pizza a little late because, you know, I got mm-hmm. the flu and then the COVID thing, whatever. Um but th- that was a movie that was by far and away my most anticipated of the year. It's not even fucking close. 
And I saw all the trailers for it and I read so much about it and I saw the cast and I just thought about everything that it could be. And then when I saw it, it was just a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, a great Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And that's not a that's not a ding because he's one of my favorite directors of all time. Right. (laughs) But it's just sort of a a light on its feet. uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie that that's a little less weighty than something like uh, There Will Be Blood or The Master or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, it, it it's weird because it's very high on my list. We'll talk about it in a second. It's it's weird that I'm sort of talking about it in this way. But mm-hmm. I do understand what you're saying in yeah, that yeah. Uh, when something can be anything and then mm. it just ends up being something that's nice. It, yes. It, <laughs> it kind of leaves you with a weird sensation. And it, it does make me question like my relationship to movies again. You know? Well, <laughs> And that's fair. This is that existential question where it's like, is that you could ask, like, is expectations a problem or is it is it even a bad thing that it's just nice? Does that take anything else away from it? Because maybe it doesn't. Maybe Mm. it's like maybe it was entirely on me that I was, I don't know, maybe expecting more. But I think for in this instance, it's not it's not that I was expecting it to be as crazy as there will be blood or anything like that. I think it was just because of what 2021 did to me for movies Mm. and like like this, like. This movie for me, like, like didn't necessarily transcend, you know, the, the, the delightfulness that I got out of like, you know, uh, the worst person in the world. Mm. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but, but it was, it was a better version of a lot of those things. It was just, you know, cinematically, I was just looking for more out of movies this year because I was like in desperate need for it. And it was like, yeah, I got like the best version of a young lovers movie I've ever seen. Cool. You know, but like. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't know what to say about it. It's it, it it's not disposable, but like like I, I don't know the 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 poetic visual experience, the, the 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 more cinematic qualities were slightly more disposable to me than other entries on this list. But I I feel so bad saying that because it's a great movie. It's like a great movie, and I just I love like like sort of the innocence of it. I love that it's it's dealing with sort of that how that aspect of America where it's just like, we are, we know we're so nice and loving of all you people, but underneath is this really nasty, disturbing, cynical view of society. And it's just about people trying to find themselves in it. And ultimately they find each other and it's this beautiful uh, method of people coming together. And I just love how like, like free flowing it is. It doesn't really have much of a plot. It's just kind of, it it is a hangout movie in the purest sense. It's just going with the wind, and I think those lead performances are absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it's it's insane. I can't. It's like the be, yeah yeah baby. I just want the I I want to see ten more movies with these guys. They are great. Oh it's my insane. god, it, it's really it, insane. It's almost the like it, it can make you cry if you know the context of like, right. like okay they, save 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 yeah. all this like, yeah I a hundred percent I agree with you entirely yeah so but so but but yes 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 but but yeah. when it came to like. For me personally, just what I was asking out of cinema this year, uh-huh. you know, it, it didn't quite reach that that height for me. But like I said, if it's if it's a number one on everyone's list, like I don't blame you. That's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, but I but okay, I, no, okay. I, okay, I hope you understand where I'm coming. from. I do understand where you're coming from. I just <laughs> yeah. I just had this revelation as I was putting together the final list. Like, let's not overthink this, Nico. Okay, okay, yeah. Fine. Let's not fucking overthink this. Uh, you know, it's, let me put it this way though. I do like Phantom Thread a little bit more. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I do I'm, like I, I'm, it's possible I might like it better too. I don't know. Like his movies are events for me. Like sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I agree. They are for me too. 
I, I don't think he's ever made a movie that didn't fall in my top 10. Well, just one, I think. But Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Inherent Vice. Yeah. Just Inherent Vice. But uh-huh. All right, here we go. Number nine for me, right? Yep. It's a film called Zola. Oh, okay. Zola, written wow. and directed by Janiza Bravo, based on a series of tweets by Isaiah King. Mm. Doesn't sound like a great tagline for your movie. Uh, okay, yeah, but. I, I think they uh, they they certainly mined those tweets for a yeah. lot of comedy and cinematic bliss. Sure, uh, really love this movie. Stars Taylor Page, Riley Cogue, Nicholas Braun, and Coleman Domingo. That four headed monster, I, I just <laughs> thought was dynamic. All of these guys were just wrestling the baton away okay. from each other in any particular scene. I loved all four of them in this. Um, it, it's a it's a movie about Florida. And it's kind of funny. I watched it around the same time I went on vacation to South Florida this year. Uh, and I, you know, just like hung out in Miami and nah. and um, uh, uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale for a week and sort of hung out in like similar like seedy bars to the people that, to the same, <laughs> you know, as the people in this movie were hanging out in. I mean, not as seedy as them, I guess. But uh you know, there, there's something really interesting about Florida, specifically South Florida, where you have this beautiful, picturesque beauty along the shoreline, <laughs> which is crystal clear waters. Yeah. And then you have the just grimiest cities right yeah. next to them, you know, and you ha- it's this beautiful contradiction in this beautiful ecosystem and everybody's just totally cool with it. Um, and I love it. It's just like my favorite vibe in the world. And uh, this movie just has a real awesome sense of place and sense of tone. It's so funny and so fun and so anxiety producing. I, I love movies like this. It it gave me a lot of like Safdie brothers vibes. It's very uncut gems in that way. Uh, the ending kind of sucks, but like whatever. Um, Yeah, I I just again like it was a visceral experience. Like I watched this thing, and I, it's one of those movies you just can't pause to go pee. You know, you wish you saw it in a theater. It's it's a a real rollicking good time. Does it have a lot to say about like society and like (laughs) feminism and relationships between women and sex work and everything? Like not really. Like it's kind of just like a silly story about a stripper. Uh, Sometimes not not yeah. You're trying tries to in like more like pseudo ways. I guess you could say it's like it's there, but it's not really there. Yeah, it has some serious disturbing moments, but for the most part, like this is just really fucking fun. Uh, like the scene at the beginning in the strip club where they're praying for like lots of like daddies to come in and yeah. pay them good. Like I just loved that stuff. Um, super entertaining. And I, I, I guess that's really my takeaway here. Did it move me, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to think about it a lot after the fact, uh, did it, did it, uh, inspire lots of reflection? Um, not really, but I think like old, it was just a rollicking good time. Okay. And that's what I wanted at the movies this year. I, I really loved Zola. This is interesting because I was looking for the movies that like would make would stick with me that would also like 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 you know sink their fangs into me at the same time. I was looking for kind of like that that balance because I didn't like Zola all that much. Wow. Yeah. It's what it's did a, you like? Well, I didn't find it funny. Okay. Like I never I never laughed, but like it's it's a bizarre experience where it's like the director is simultaneously directing her ass off. I, but at the same time, I found it so stiff. 
Hmm. I don't know what that was. It was because I'm watching the moves. I'm like, well, you're doing a lot, but why does this feel so like stilted here and there? And I don't know. I, I like I the the energy of the movie was never really registering for me. And while I love the lead performance, uh, I had no means of connecting to it. And maybe if I found it funnier, that that might have helped. But I just wasn't getting there. Yeah. And I had like I just didn't have a lot of interest in the story personally. And that that was maybe part of it. I'm just like, I just don't care about this story. And it's not anxiety inducing enough for me to like really like be in it and not let go like a Safdie Brothers film. Mm. Um, but it's it's very distinct. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. But uh, I, I appreciate the fact that this movie got made at all. It's just cool to see like like such a individual voice <laughs> uh, nowadays. And yes. you know, especially from a female filmmaker like this. So it was. Sure. Awesome yeah. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, I had a lot of female directors, I think, on my top 10, more than usual, and, and certainly on my top 20. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it, let's see, I guess I have two, yeah, two female directors in my top 10. But both of them, like, you know, made kick ass movies. And I think, like, there's this preconception with female directors, like, they only make, like, costume dramas and period pieces. Oh, no. You know? And they only made, like, really quiet, introspective things. But, like, yeah, they, like, these two movies just fucking kicked ass, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one that I'm going to talk about in a bit was also a, a directed by a female. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Zola, I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like yeah. the cut of its jib. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a decent movie. It, it it it's the first movie on my list to hit the good range. So there there is that. I give cool. that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah okay. I, I, it is. It is what it is. Okay. Uh, number eight for you, sir. No, number nine. Number, number nine. nine. Sorry. Yeah. Titan. Ooh. Titan. I didn't watch this. Oh, ooh, you didn't watch it. Didn't uh, get a chance. Yeah, the director of Raw is back with with a vengeance as well. Such an Adam movie though. Yeah, yeah, both of them are Adam movies, and you have this very strange film about uh, femininity and rape and uh, sexual identity, and it's all very confusing. It might even be kind of muddled. I'm not always sure what this film is getting at. I do not care. This film is unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's a hell of a ride. Uh, that lead performance is absolutely transformative and insane and is going places that uh, no actors will simply ever go in their the entirety of their career. But not just her, the, the actor playing opposite her who kind of a, adopts her in the movie, shall we say, um, is absolutely remarkable and heartbreaking to watch. And I love everything that he's going through. It's like he's sort of the standout of the movie for me. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate because I haven't seen as many people talking about this guy's performance, but he's actually one of my favorite performances of the year. Mm. It's just this like re- reeling, just just tragic father figure who's like so desperate for, you know, to uh, for, for family again because in the movie he's sort of lost his family. And to see him deal with that is pathetic and disturbing, and you just want to give him a hug the whole time. Mm. And what and what he's forced to do as a means of acceptance is absolutely shocking. And it's this, and it's kind of questioning like whether or not it was worth it at all in the end. Like, like, uh, <laughs> God, how to talk about that ending? Oh my God, that ending. <laughs> well, it's a uh, well, you know, if you like body horror. <laughs> Is there uh, car fucking involved? <laughs> yeah, well, well, there car fucking. Okay, uh, there is car fucking in the movie, right? Someone was saying to me like it's just it's it's gonna be. I think you were questioning whether or not it was like 
um, the counselor's car fucking scene? Uh-huh. The answer is no, Nico. It's oh, not boy. like the counselor's car fucking scene. And what I mean by that is that there, yeah, like try to take it as literally as you can. <laughs> there is car fucking in this movie. <laughs> is there grease involved? Oh my god, is there grease? Is there grease? Is there, is there grease? Does tailpipe enter the conversation? No. Okay. There's another thing in the car. Inside the car. Ah. Uh, we have this little thing that you you use when you're driving. It's a gear uh, shift. Uh yeah, there's a stick shift. Hot. And there's <laughs> lots of oil. <laughs> lots of fucking oil. <laughs> And yeah, man, and it's literal. I I take it. Li- I mean, yes, it's pro- it's an allegory for other things, but like when it's happening in the movie, in the context of the world, it is. I think it is actually real. I don't think it's in this character's head, <laughs> and wow. that's more confirmed for me by the ending of the movie. Oh my god. Okay. And like I said, just the way it ropes back around to just interrogating, was it really worth it to to take this person as like a surrogate daughter, get, given what you're being turned into in the process? Uh, and it is, yeah, one of the more bizarre films I've seen this year. Um, but it's it's simply something I will never forget. And it's this strange balance of like the most disturbing thing I've ever seen, but also the most tender thing ever made. And I like it just it was the same thing with Raw, honestly. It was that bizarre balance between like the sweet and the horrifying. And I just mm. love that contrast. Um mm. yeah, great movie. Really, really great movie. I can't recommend it for a second. Nobody mm. should see this movie, but uh it's 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 phenomenal. <laughs> One of the weirder Palm d'Or winners ever, I think. Yeah, well, after after seeing it, I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Khan was really on another one. It is. <laughs> it's, it's something else, man. Like, it really is something else. And, like, th- this girl, this director, whoever she is, uh, she's wonderful. I want to see everything she does from now on. It's just like, yeah, like, this is, like, one of those great new uh, fresh face filmmakers that just, like, yeah, like I, I don't know. Julia Ducournau. I'm just so fascinated by what she has to do. She's just, it's just such a creative mind in, in the, in the strangest way given, but as long as you can stomach it, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. I need to see this. I will see it before the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, not, I guess it's not totally for you. And if you go uh, again, I'm not sure what you're going to glean from it in terms of like what it's saying. You might come away from it being like, it's just another movie about, you know, sexual repressed, blah, 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 blah. But Mm. it's, but the visceral cinematic experience is unlike anything else. And I just, yeah, I couldn't get enough. There is a, there are two dance scenes, one on one with like a, um, uh, a bunch of like firefighters in a room. Uh, and then another one on top of a fire truck that is, you know, uh, it's again, this jumping between like something being really sweet and intimate and like sort of oddly homoerotic and then and then going from something that is so disturbing and so hilarious which is the fire truck dance number mm. <laughs> which i was just cracking up over uh you get yeah you get you got to see it <laughs> okay i will yeah. promise yeah <laughs> uh number 8 for me okay i believe this is on your list cuz you just mentioned it it's the worst person in the world oh okay it's not on my top 10 Oh, it's not. Okay. No, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's on my list. It's number 24 for me. Uh, directed by Yochim Trier. Uh, he's a Norwegian filmmaker. This is a Norwegian film. Uh, Yochim Trier also made a movie called Oslo, August 31st. 
which people love. I haven't seen it yet, though, but I need to go see it because I really love this one. Starring uh, Renette Rensive, Rensive, Anders, Daniels, Lai, and Herbert Nordrum. Uh, doesn't really scream Nico, or maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, a little bit. This was a movie that I heard such great things about, and I think I was a little skeptical because, again, I I tried airing away this year from, like, the very good character dramas, you know? Like, I I wanted something a little more rollicking, as I said before, and uh, I I watched this one last night and was just moved to tears by it. I I just thought, like, it was so beautiful, and let this be the representative for the the small, quiet indie dramas uh, on the list. Okay. I thought the main performance here uh, by Renee uh, Renzi Very is good. just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, she has just such an energy about her. And mm-hmm. this is really a movie about her energy and about yeah, yeah. her sort oh, of yeah. unraveling. Um, and it's just great, like spending two hours with a character that you love. I mean, th- this that's basically the movie. It, it has uh, 12 chapters. It's structured with, with 12 chapters and, and a prologue and an epilogue. Uh, and, you know, it, it she's, you know, a woman in her late 20s. Uh, about to turn 30 and she's getting in and out of relationships and she's questioning what she wants to do uh, much like licorice pizza very yeah. similar vibes uh you know t- as two guys that are sort of getting around that age like i've definitely have you know encountered similar things although here you know we're dealing with a biological clock and like pregnancy and stuff yeah, yeah. uh not something we have to worry about quite yet um or ever but yeah the, the i i just found that last third of this movie to be absolutely gut-wrenching i won't it, spoil what happens at the end but it is devastating and it's a movie it, again for a while that i thought oh pretty good pretty good pretty yeah, good yeah. i love the scene at the wedding where she almost has oh, the yeah, affair. Christine, Christine. i mean it's so like sexy and intimate and i mean it's just a really sexy movie from top to bottom and a really like horny movie and like all this stuff is like really good but when we get to the end and we get to the gut punch, it's like, oh, this is why people have been going crazy about this movie. It, it is. It's the, uh, yeah, it's the best thing about the movie. For it's sure. gorgeous. It's yeah. just it's absolutely fucking gorgeous. Um, and, and yeah, uh, quiet, not very showy in its direction. Kind of felt like very like French New Wave cinema Sometimes, verite. Yeah. Um but there's also like a lot of whimsy in it. You know, there, there's oh, like there's some fantastical elements. There is a yeah, fantasy there, sequence in this. There is um, a mushroom trip sequence. That's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with that mushroom <laughs> trip sequence. I love it to tears. <laughs> it's almost as good as the LSD trip in Mad Men. <laughs> that okay. might be my favorite drug sequence. Oh, my of all God. Time. That's a weird one. It's so when Roger takes the bottle, the cork oh, out no. of the bottle. <laughs> Oh no, that's a good one. That is a good one. So this, good. This up there though, this one's really great. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's excellent. It's fucking excellent. It's so yeah, good. It's really good. It's, yeah, um, I think the I think the only reason it wasn't higher up on my list was for those same reasons where I was, I never quite got out of my head with the idea like you know another like personal character study movie in the top ten. It's like, did it really like like you know you know rock me the the way that you know other character study films have like no no it's it but it's similarly i had that reaction where it's like it's just it's a very 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 nice whimsical little film that's a kind of occasionally funny mm. um 
but I, 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 I kind of did get into my head with it. I was worried I was being too mean. And I think I was because mm-hmm. it is a, it is a really like, like sweet movie that has a lot of personality, but is also quite heartbreaking. So when it needs to hit home, it usually does quite effectively. And I related to it a lot, honestly. Yeah. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much truth in it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I know it's not like, I think you can rent it, but it's not really screening anywhere. Uh, when you get the chance, do see it. I hope this movie doesn't go too under the radar. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Okay, eight for you. Uh, Spencer. Wow. Spencer. This list is shocking. Yeah. Wow, completely tumbled. It yeah. was your number one forever. Well, no, I saw more movies and I thought about it more. And I was like, I still love the movie to death. Uh-huh. Like, I, th- this is that, like, fuck you, audience kind of movie. We're going to make you miserable <laughs> for, <laughs> for like, like, the entirety of the runtime anxiety film. This is what I was looking for out of, like, my anxiety trip experience of the year. Where yeah. it's just this horrifying internal struggle of a movie that just kicked my ass and I love Kristen Stewart to death in this movie. I mean, I couldn't get enough of her. And I just love that it wasn't going to be like like this. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies that talk about like the royal family and these very like kind of overly dramatic, like it's their evil kind of way. But this was so different and so personal. And it didn't seem as confused by all the noise that a lot of those stories tend to bring with it. And yeah, I was just just in for the ride. This movie's a ride, man. And it just I it was one of the more entertaining experiences I had in the theater. And yeah, shit. I I just thought it was an an, an surprisingly awesome time despite how stressful it really is. Yeah. Uh did not make my top 10. Mm. Uh number 22 on on my big board. Uh yeah, I liked it. I did like it. I mean the Johnny Greenwood score is Oh my god. It's, it's just great. a masterclass. Mhm. Um, and it's one of those scores you can just listen to in the car. And I will, I think, for several yeah, years afterwards. It's great. It's great. I, I don't know if the movie ever quite rises to the intensity of the score. It's kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I kind of uh, see what you mean, yeah. The, the movie, um, the Barry Jenkins movie, If Beale Street Could Talk, I felt the exact same way about when I uh, saw okay. it. Okay. Uh, I really liked that movie. It was really beautifully composed. But the score is so overbearing and gorgeous. Uh that it's like it's almost like the, the the actors are not matching what's happening here. It's like they're not quite. Sometimes the score can be too good. I really yeah, do think sometimes the score can be too good. Yeah. And this was one of the cases here. I, I thought Kristen Stewart was a marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, how weird that like yeah. Robert yeah. Pattinson and her are like two of the most exciting actors working. I know. Today. I know. It's Who would have thought? <laughs> it's great. Uh, but they really made the transition well. Those two crazy kids. Taylor Lautner still trailing behind though. He ain't coming back. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. Uh, that's too bad. Um, but she's, you know, excellent in it for sure. I did think at times the script was a little on the nose and what sure. she was going through. Like, I didn't know a lot of this about Princess Diana because I am not interested in the royal family no, at no. all. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know she had an eating disorder. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know any, uh, you know, about any of this, this stuff. Um, and I know some of it was fictionalized, like the Sally Hawkins character, for example, was fictionalized. Well, the story um, itself, like this, I guess you could say encounter is all basically a fictional take on, you know, all of the events that went on with her. It's like ins- uh-huh. a story inspired by the drama, essentially. Right. That's yeah, I think what they said in the title card. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, or a nightmare inspired by a true story, something like yeah. that. 
and definitely feels that way. This is a nightmare experience for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever quite got to that level right. that you did with it. I, I, again, like, uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> is um, it better than Jackie? <laughs> I never saw Jackie. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. I didn't see it either. No, I never saw it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I was, uh, eh, eh. maybe it's my royal bias coming in. I don't know. I, I tried separating myself from it because, again, I thought Kristen Stewart was really good and I, I liked elements of it for sure. Love the way it looks, too. I think love it's the way it looks. It looks film. gorgeous. Well, they have that distortion. What's that effect where, like, when you overlight something and, like, there's there, it almost creates like a 3D effect, kind of. Like, you have like a lot of color distortion going on. There's oh, a lot God. of that in this movie. Like clipping? It's not clip. Maybe it's clipping. Um, But, you know, the, the it, it has this sort of surreal quality to it. It does, yeah. There's kind of like, there's always like a red sort of glow around every character. In well, this. there's, it's hazy, you're for sure. I noticed right, that. It's right. got a lot of like odd and sort of this intangible haze that you can't quite articulate what it is, but it's it's always kind of looming. Right. Yeah, it's ethereal, for sure. Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. It never yeah. loses that cinematically. I mean, it's a very complete piece in that way. And I sort of one of the things I responded so much about it is how well realized this type of story is. Mm. You know, I just yeah, I, I I didn't see a lot of missteps in this one for me personally. You know, and I kind of like the 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 escalation because it's weird. Like like the because you're right about like the way the film is leading you to believe that the way that it feels is much more heightened. But what sometimes happens is more understated. Right. But it, but it builds. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It builds and it builds and it builds until you get to the, the climax where she kind of reasons with like the, the old ghosts and whatnot. But man, there's just a lot of like great highs here. I mean that I, I said it to you to tease it. I love the pool table scene so fucking much. Yeah. When she's talking to Charles. Yeah. And just watching Kristen Stewart in that scene was remarkable. Yeah, he, so. he again, he's like really over the top evil in this movie. Sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Some of this was on the nose. I mean, uh, uh, it, it uh, what's his face wrote this? The guy from Peaky Blinders and stuff. Uh, uh, uh what's his name? <laughs> he wrote Serenity too, and wrote and directed Serenity. Oh, he did. Stephen Knight. Oh, oh, cool. Stephen Knight for you know Serenity, Lock. Oh. Wrote Lock, uh, wrote and directed Lock. I think he, very on the nose screenwriter. Sure, sure. burnt the Bradley Cooper movie. Yeah, <laughs> the guy works like uh, he did the, the the show C on Apple C with Jason Momoa. Uh, you know, if you've seen any of those movies, you know he's very on the nose. It 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 it, it works for me. It's though. hit or miss. Yeah, yeah. I think it here it works. I think yeah. here it works. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, number seven for me is another female driven anxiety movie oh i know what it is this is a movie nobody has seen mm -hmm. and I, this is my public service announcement people need to see this movie uh it's called the novice it was directed by lauren hadaway who uh before this never made a movie before she was a sound engineer she was an adr editor oh wow she she did some of the the, the sound editing on whiplash uh which is appropriate because this is basically a female version of Whiplash. Cool. Uh, it, it stars uh, this actress, Isabel Furman. Um, again, really, really tiny movie. You can only get it on demand. It's like an IFC produced thing that nobody has fucking seen. Isabel uh, Furman is the orphan. I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. Oh, there you go. 
We all know the her. Orphan. What? She's also, it, from the film Orphan? Or yeah, Orphan. Yeah. That little actress. Oh, shit. Yeah, and she's much little. Uh, yeah, I've, she's in The Hunger Games, too. I've seen her in a few things. Oh. Orphan. Yeah, you remember that thing? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Jamais Colette Sarah did that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Orphan. I did not realize. Okay, well, Isabel Furman, there you go, star of this. Uh, she's quite good. Uh, it, it is about a high school freshman, or a, sorry, college freshman um, that, uh, you know, got a full ride to, I forget what college this is. I don't know if they ever named the college. Uh, is it Stanford? I don't think so. Maybe it's Stanford. Stanford? Okay. I don't remember. But she she got a, a full ride to this, this college, and... Uh, She's really smart and obsessive um, and like she has this drive to just outwork everyone. And yeah. uh, really, she's only able to accomplish anything when she has a sort of uh, uh, a straw man to fight against. Right. Some sort oh, of no. enemy. As long as she can, you know, determine that you are my opponent here. Oh, you are who yeah. I must defeat. Uh, she's able to sort of turn it on and be really obsessive about something. Right. So she gets into rowing. Someone tells her that she wants to to. That she that she ought to try out for the uh, the novice rowing team, and so she joins this uh, this team, having never rowed before, with a bunch <laughs> of other rowers. And like one uh, of the girls on this team is like a natural, right? Like she's like just a really gifted natural rower because she did other sports in high school, and our main character did not do any other sports in high school. And so she gets all this attention from like the coach or whatever, like. And, uh, you know, she's about to make the varsity team herself. And that really upsets our girl, Isabel Furman, who's uh, like, I must beat this bitch. <laughs> uh, and she goes to extreme lengths. And there are several scenes of like her hands bleeding and shit, much like Whiplash. Um, and, uh, you know, unlike Whiplash, you don't have the like J.K. Simmons character. You don't mm-hmm. have like the drill sergeant there. You don't have like um, that, like larger than life monster like the yeah. shark and jaws uh but you do have a lot of comedy much like whiplash right. and you have a lot of serious thrills and drama uh and you have some like real dark moments too there's some like really dark relationship stuff uh that our main character engages in self-harm at mm. several points there are cutting scenes in this that are really disturbing um but it is an absolute thrill ride of a okay. movie and it's just so well shot so well edited i think it's appropriate that a a sound editor made this thing uh you know whiplash in many ways is a movie about editing right it's a movie about precision it's a movie about cutting at the exact right moments i think it won the oscar for best editing that year uh similarly this is a movie about precision every cut in this thing is so precise it's controlled chaos um and and it's a movie also about precision the pursuit of precision and uh you know, sort of the the empty pot at the end of the rainbow, you know? Yep. Uh, if you like Whiplash, you're just going to love this. I mean, there's just no other way about it. It's 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 a great movie. Um, and that that's my little hipster pick of the movie that nobody saw that I wanted to squeeze on there. Public service announcement to everybody. Go see The Novice. I definitely have a couple coming up. Actually, one, two, three movies coming up that definitely nobody saw. A few people, I'm sure, saw, but... Yeah. yeah, I doubt you saw a few of these, but we'll see. 
the novice, Adam. All right, the novice. The novice. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch it, Nico. Okay, maybe I'll give it a look. Watch it. Good movie. <laughs> that Lauren Hart Hathaway. I have high hopes. All right, high hopes. That makes me happy. One of uh, I think three first time filmmakers on the list for me. Do I have many? I don't know. Mm, I think I have one first first time filmmaker. I got three fucking old guys that have been making great movies for 50 years, and I got three first-time filmmakers on there, you know? Yeah. A little yeah. bit of both. A little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. Yeah. Now, this is actually kind of interesting, sort of the mix here, but it's yeah. cool. I like I like what the mix ultimately is. Awesome. Okay. There you go. Number seven for you? Yep. Okay, it's a film called Censor. Uh, ah. Yeah, I did it. Uh, and probably has no right being this high on the list. I haven't seen it, but higher than licorice pizza, Adam. Yeah. Uh, no, but for the for exactly those reasons though that I was mentioning before, just totally unique, not at all what I expected. It is a film about a woman who analyzes video nasties in order to you know get them past the censor board. It's very interesting, and I didn't. Ex- it's it's one of those ideas where it's like, how do you make a movie about this and make it good and interesting? How do you make it horrifying beyond just like the blatant gore? I think the film starts out with a shot from uh, Abel Ferrara's The Driller Killer. Oh, word! <laughs> Which is cracking me up. <laughs> and all I could all I could think about was Abel Ferrara in the background going like, "Yo, mommy." <laughs> <laughs> Look at that shit. Oh, I can't believe they let us get away with that. <laughs> Should have made that guy's him the, the man. Dr- that guy's the fucking man. <laughs> the fucking commentary for the driller killer is the funniest shit I've ever Everybody heard Google that right now. Go on it YouTube, is- search for Abel Ferrara's The Driller Killer commentary. <laughs> this even make a, made a sick bastard Vietnam vet DP sick. Ugh. That's a great Ooh. shot. Uh, that's this. a funny shot. When he makes himself laugh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so in love with that woman. It was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That fucking guy's the man. But anyway, he made yes. a movie this year. He did. Yeah, I know. I think it was with Will zeros and ones. Oh, with Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah, a different movie then. It's called huh. Zeros and Ones. Interesting. All right. I love that guy. Yeah, guy's still hilarious. going, man. I know. He's I know. making movies still. Verhoeven's still making movies. These guys are still, Paul Schrader's still making movies. That's true. All, the, all those weirdos. I love it. All those it. weirdos still going at it. I know. But yeah, this, this movie uh, is fantastic to me. Just to okay. me. To nobody else, but it is to me. It's just this totally different descent into madness and i just love the slow l- reveal of like who our protagonist actually is it's a tremendously satisfying ending that you know a lot of movies this year kind of bothered me or fell off the the map for me because their endings were so bad but this is such a brilliant ending and i you could i could just watch the film for that alone it's just again it's just that this t- you know what kind of reminded me of actually was um um, a film I saw last year called The uh, uh, Possessor. Mm. You know, it's nowhere near as quiet as Possessor, and it doesn't have the same, uh, like, like I don't know. It's, it doesn't have that same slow pace that that movie has. But there's just something so unique about this vision, you know. And I, I like I said, I was just surprised watching it that you know, given what the movie's about, that they actually made a compelling horror film because it's just so small and you know it's it's this littlest thing it's like i said you pitch this idea to anybody and it's like uh, i don't know how you're supposed to make that into a compelling narrative but 
somehow it, it they do. I think the lead performance here is awesome, and just to watch her crumble apart as she uncovers a mystery about her sister, shall we say? <laughs> as she investigates this mystery, it's uh, absolutely devastating, and it is. It's just this. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's. I mean, it's a very surreal film as well. And I wanted to mention just how it has like possibly the best aspect ratio change I've ever seen in a movie. Okay, which is something we come down on a lot. We with, do. Which is like, oh, they're doing this aspect ratio shit again. The way they do it here is terrifying. Oh wow! It's like legitimately terrifying. Okay. When it happened, I was like clutching my chair for about. The, the last 20 minutes of the movie it is brilliant i i i i mean it's it, it basically made the movie for me i'm like okay this if this isn't on my top 10 of the year i don't know what i'm doing it that is the smartest fucking choice i've ever seen in a movie in a while not yeah. even kidding yeah. uh yeah if you just wait for the aspect ratio change to happen and it is it's just gonna make you go like oh oh shit oh my god loved it loved it loved it loved it and uh, yeah, it's so for me. It's not. It's not a Nico movie whatsoever. Mm. You know, it's kind of gross and grindhousey at times. Uh, but everything about it kind of works for me. Yeah, everything about it sort of works. I'm. 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 I oddly love this movie, and again, gave me just this wholly unique vibe and experience. I, yeah, awesome movie. Cool. Sensor baby. Awesome. Uh, my number six was Last Duel, so we'll just go right to yours now. Number six. Pig. Uh, my number five. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. We line up. Written and directed by Michael Sarnowski, uh, starring Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, and Adam Arkin. Uh, we've talked enough about a this movie, about I think, this. on yeah. various podcasts. It's an and absolute miracle. It's a we miracle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a miracle. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how this exists. I cannot believe Nicolas Cage is still doing this at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, still has surprises and, and twists yeah. and turns left in him. Uh this movie will break your heart, guys. If you I, haven't seen this movie, yeah. I, it, it's so funny because I talk about this movie a lot with people. And you're right. We, we've talked about this movie probably enough. But uh, people have asked me a lot this year, like, what are some good movies to see? And Abby and I yeah. together, we yeah. have been like, watch Pig. I know. And, and everyone's like, what? The fucking Nicolas Cage Pig movie? The John Wick ripoff? It's just like, no, no, please just trust us. Watch this beautiful little movie. Yeah. They just don't get it, man. And it's yeah. har- it's hard to recommend for that alone. I'm not even kidding. I know. Everyone has just dismissed it for that reason alone. It's sad. Well, whenever you recommend a movie to someone, the first question they always ask is, what's it about? Right? And exactly. so when you get into that little brief synopsis, it's like... Really? Uh, yeah, a there's really? like an underground Portland like culinary <laughs> fight club, and yeah. like there's this guy steals a pig, and Nicolas Cage goes on re- on a hunt for revenge, and like you know all this stuff's in there. Um, I mean, we're not the first people to say this about this movie. It's yeah. uh, yeah, where this movie goes, um, the the just the soft touch that this director Michael Sarnowski has. I can't wait to see what he does next. This no. is his first. No, yeah. uh, this is first uh, feature. Uh, it is, uh, and it, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it's stunning. It's stunningly it's, beautiful and, uh, cage can do anything, man. It was just one of the biggest surprises of the year. It's like, it's, I, if you're to ask me like my top 10 surprise films, like this is the one I just yeah. did not like, I, I thought it might be okay. I just didn't expect it to be this good. Seriously. Yep. And yep. it just, 
it is like it's one of those movies where you just feel bad for you know not giving it any credit or not mm -hmm. acknowledging it like there was no way it wasn't going to make my top 10 yeah so yeah it's, it's the the experience of walking out of that thing yeah. with you and abby uh and we were just sitting down and like nobody wanted to leave their seat and everybody was just like, like whoa the deep breath at the end of that movie uh oh yeah there's a lot of things that I, I thought the movie was going to be. I didn't think it would elicit that kind of reaction. I mean, that yeah. would have been the last guess. I know. Uh, so good. So fucking good. Very Pig. good. Pig. Pig. Yes, Adam. Pig. Yeah. Nick's favorite movie of the year, by the way. Just a shout out to Nick. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, we got to get Nick's top 10. Well, rest in peace. He's dead. Don't forget. That's true. Nick is it's dead. It's Pig. <laughs> Hawkeye. <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think it's something like that. He probably has <laughs> Dune in there somewhere. The Witcher, you know. <laughs> the Witcher? Oh, God. <laughs> I'll say this. Really good year for TV. Yeah, I I've think like if, if, uh, if, if I were to combine TV shows and movies here, I think the TV shows would take up like six or seven spots okay. on the top I ten list. There's Still haven't watched the Beatles doc, but I will get to it. It's I so promise. good. I Great promise. year for music documentaries. I have a feeling oh, one yeah. is going to be on your list still. You better believe it. But there were a couple that I'd like to shout out, but we'll, we'll do that after you're done. I will say, though, in reference to what you said, uh, that first episode of Book of Boba Fett was not good. Oh, no. Not very good. Have not watched yet. I mean, it, the, the fan service -y stuff is fun enough, but like... Nothing. It's just like that was it, really. <laughs> it's just like the most underwhelming start of a season. Now it could get better. Mm -hmm. I, I love that Dean Cundy is shooting some of the some of the shows. Oh, that, I didn't realize that. That blows me away, man. The fact that's that Dean crazy. C Dean Cundy is back to shooting stuff. Like, yes, come on, that's great. But Robert Rodriguez, like, it was just lacking energy in this one. Okay. If, I, if you can believe it, it was just kind of weak. I just thought, yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't horrible, but you will come away from it being like, really? Is he <laughs> doing the, the whole season? No. Okay. No, he's not. Because he did the Boba Fett episode. Yeah, like, on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Boba Fett episode. That's right. Yeah. He okay. did. Huh. Yeah. I'm okay. It was okay. But like, I was, yeah, pretty, pretty underwhelmed by what they came up with for that, for the start. And if they're sticking with, it's structure. I think it's going to be detrimental. I really hope they don't stick with the structure that they, they decided to go with in, in this first episode. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that I'm kind of underwhelmed by the Disney plus shows. Uh, recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think actually Loki was probably the best one this Loki? year at least. Yeah. Loki, okay. Loki was, I mean the rest of the Marvel shows kind of sucked. Uh, <laughs> I liked Mandalorian yeah. season two. Yeah, I did. I like both seasons of Mandalorian. I think they're both really solid. Yeah. All right. But anyway, okay, there we go. Pig number Pig. five for me. Okay. Five for you, sir. This is a film that you probably did not see that many, many, many people didn't see. It's again, another film that's probably way too high, but I just couldn't stop thinking about it, man. And I just had a fucking blast. It's old Henry. Oh shit! This made Obama's list. It did. <laughs> it did make Obama's it list. It did. Obama, so the, my... the former president, saw it. Adam, I didn't, but someone I, did. I saw it with him, Nico. If you can believe it, <laughs> man. Only you two were allowed in that screening, huh? Because I haven't heard yeah, jack that's... shit about this except for Obama saying it. No, nope. <laughs> no, and and I understand why you wouldn't have heard much from this because 
It is just a classic Western, basically. Right. Um, it is, you know, the, the movie is about a farmer, like a suspicious farmer who takes in uh, um, a, a guy who has stolen money from some bad guys and he's they're holding him up in his house. So it's Rio Bravo meets Unforgiven, basically. Oh, word. Okay. Uh, I don't care. That's a great blending. And it works yeah, very, for that. very, very well. And there, the movie is also very great to be intimate. And it's a great movie about fatherhood. It's a great movie about just like talking about your past. And, and again, like we've seen it in Unforgiven, but with Tim Blake Nelson's performance here, man, Tim Blake Nelson is so good. <laughs> he, it's like the entire movie. Tim Blake Nelson is playing um, a... A certain character with and there's a great twist with who he actually is. And it's like the best twist I've seen this year. And it's not even close. And I was just like astonished by it. And it leads into what is like the best shootout in years. I can't get enough of this third act, man. And it is just so raw and violent and and, and awesome and intense. I was just like, like cheering at the screen while watching it. It's just the best. You have like. Half of the movie, which is like a like a more intimate and careful character study, and it looks gorgeous, and it just builds straight up to that f- explosive finale where it's entirely earned, man, with just this awesome center performance that 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 just keeps it going. And I, I, I God, I just want to go back to that. The Tim Blake Nelson just fucking kills it in this movie. God, I this love sounds him. great. Oh, it, it, this <laughs> sounds amazing. Why haven't I seen this yet? I, I mean, I always worry I overhead, but like Tim, I, I'm serious. Like I just could not get enough of like his character in this movie. I mean, he's just, again, very like, like serious and stoic. And like, you look at Tim Blake Nelson and you're like, there's no fucking way he could play this because he's just this little guy. That's just basically, he seems like a farmer. And then when he starts kicking all sorts of ass, I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> yes fuck yeah and they explain it in the best way with that twist and i'm just like the the way everything like clicked together in my head i'm like yes i uh, i love those twists where it's like oh of course it all makes perfect sense yes uh i I couldn't get enough of this western i I just i just loved it endlessly and yeah it's it's like a buyer for me I, i just thought it was i just thought it rocked you have sold me beyond my wildest dreams my friend i i have seen this like in an hour whatever i'm I'm putting on it as soon as we're done here this sounds great with a great villain by the way by steven dorf i mean he's he's really really i love dorf he's really that guy awesome awesome uh uh villainous performance in this i just thought he was great and just the way he plays off of tim blake nelson at times is really really like just not disturbing but it's like tense and 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 there's always that feeling like a, a gun could be drawn at any second i just love it so much I, I I will wax poetic about Tim Blake Nelson for hours. I just think he's he's just killing it in this that role. That great in everything. Just but just so like unexpected. And I and okay, it perhaps it is the twist for me. Maybe I was just a sucker for like what the ultimate reveal of the movie is. But I'm just like yes, yes. Oh my god, give me more, please. With just like I said, just a great ending that's so earned. It makes total sense. It's beautiful and a little sad and i just yeah i just thought it totally worked it's not it's, again not the most unique thing in the world you know it is literally unforgiven meets rio bravo and that's that but like yeah yeah i'll say this for it for your case it's not like a rollicking laughing fun time like it's a serious pretty adult movie 
and it can be kind of brooding, but yeah, at the end of the day, who cares? I, I was just so in it. I was just fixated on the screen. Yeah. Okay. There. I'm done. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Old Henry. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited to watch this. Two biggest surprises of the year for me, Pig and Old Henry. Wow. Let me read Obama's list for you. <laughs> okay. Drive My Car, Summer of Soul, West Side Story, The Power of the Dog, Pig, Passing, mm. The Card Counter, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Worst Person in the World, Old Henry, The Last Duel, The Tragedy of, of Macbeth, Come On, Come On, Quo Vadis Ida. Okay. Not bad. That's not a bad list at all, actually. He didn't see any of them, but not bad. <laughs> you were kind of like, like he definitely saw Passing, man. You can just watch it on Netflix. He definitely watched Passing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the man, <laughs> the man did not watch The Worst Person in the World. I'm sorry. He and he didn't watch it. Old Henry. I'm just telling you, yeah, he definitely didn't watch <laughs> Old Henry. <laughs> You're lying. You're lying. It's okay. Good list. Whichever one of your staffers actually saw these movies and put the list together, good job. I, I'm really into their film taste. It's really cool that you have a cinephile on the payroll. But my my secretary, who is into old timey westerns, yeah, get get him on here. I hear old Henry's okay. Yeah, that's that's great. That's I, I good good for whoever that guy is. Uh, <laughs> okay, that was your number five. Five number five. Yep. All right, number four for me. Uh, this is a movie that I doubt made your list because it's very me, okay. but uh, it it just it knocked me off my feet. It, oh, I think I know what it is. It's so fucking good. It's called The Humans, okay. uh, written and directed by this guy Stephen Karam Karam, who uh, again is a first time filmmaker. He's a, a playwright that did this play off Broadway and adapted it for the big screen. Uh, this stars Richard Jenkins, Jane Hootyshell, Howdy Shell. Amy Schumer, Beanie Feldstein, June Squeeb, and Steven Yun. Uh, I think the Amy Schumer thing will be a turnoff for a lot of people. Uh, trust me, she is actually pretty good in the movie. Uh, everybody is pretty good in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, the rare theatrical adaptation that feels like it was always a movie. It's very strange. It, I, I didn't find anything stagey about it at all. Although it no, you know, no, takes no, no. place in one setting and you know has just a lot of dialogue talking about nothing or whatever it there's a lot of like literal watching paint dry you know it yeah. feels that way at times um it it always felt like it was meant for movies just you know and how it was edited sure. how it was shot uh this is a horror movie Th this is a, a a quiet family drama shot like a horror film complete with jump scares and dark corridors and like stories about, you know, faceless women, uh, like all of that stuff is in there, you know? And at times like you feel like, Oh my God, is like the demon going to come out from, you know, behind the, the closet. Like, is this the moment where it actually becomes a horror movie and it never gets there. But that last five minute sequence is mm. horrifying yes, and it, it all uses like real human stuff. Like I, I've talked about, these kinds of movies in the past, you know, Francis Ha for me is one yeah. of them. Uh, uh, you know, Synecdoche in New York is another one. Movies that are are not meant to be horror films, but are horrifying to me in some specific okay. way. Okay. But this one literalizes that. I, and we're all on the same page here. Like this is meant to be viewed like a horror film. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't need, you know, uh, zombies in order to be scared of something. I can just like, you know, have a scene involving grandma's dementia and it can be, <laughs> it can be just as horrifying in some ways, uh, but also quite beautiful. Uh, yeah. The way that this movie just sort of boils and boils and mm. boils Best and thing about boils the movie. Yeah. and then it finally explodes at the end. It's yeah, so fucking satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, can't wait to see what this guy does next. Like, he has such an incredible eye, this guy, Stephen Karam. Uh, the, the stuff that he focuses on, the little details, the nuances. Uh, yeah, I, I can see some people calling this movie boring. If, if, you, if you don't lock into the wavelength, you know, mm. if you don't sort of understand what it's going for and buy into that tone, I, I think you can be bored by it. Uh, but once I realized the movie that I was watching, once I realized that this was like a post-9-11, you know, New York horror film... Uh, it, yeah, it, it just had me. It just had my claws in me. This movie, I, I okay. I'm shocked how much it really did move me. But it, it's, uh, yeah, okay. it's awesome. It's my number four. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, did not make my list. Yeah, but I liked it a lot for a lot of the things you said. For, particularly for the feeling of it just boiling the whole time. Yeah. It's um, it, it, like like you're in the one of the things that I was shocked about it because the set is a play. It's just you look at the set, right. and it's a play, but uh. It, 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 I do agree as well. It's amazing how how cinematic they were able to make this tiny little location and how well it was able to use atmosphere. The best thing about the movie for me is just like this intent, not just very tangible atmosphere where it just feels like the, 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 the mold is falling off the walls and hitting you in the face half the time. It's just a tough movie to deal with in that way. Um, well, it's a time of day. If we're talking is, about setting. Yeah. It's a time of day that's very rarely captured on film sure yeah which thanksgiving is that time, movie too right it's a it's a thanksgiving movie yeah. one of the great thanksgiving movies now it's gonna <laughs> enter the pantheon uh but it you know it's mostly shot from like four o'clock to six o'clock yeah on an yeah. overcast day mm-hmm. in, in an apartment that doesn't have like a, a direct view of the sunset mm-hmm. so it and also like the the the, the apartment it, it essentially the premise of the movie is that uh uh beanie feldstein and her boyfriend steven yun are moving out for the first time and they bought this apartment in like lower Manhattan, not too far away from when the towers fell. And that like sort of in- incorporates into the plot. Cause this happens like in the early two thousands. Uh, but, uh, the, the, you know, because they've just moved in and they're having Thanksgiving there on the first day, there's only like a couple lamps, you know, yeah. and it's like very dirty. They're discovering things that have, that are broken throughout the apartment. Right. Uh, and yeah, so you have these scenes of like Richard Jenkins looking out the window and it's fucking horrifying because it's so quiet and it's like the golden hour, but it's an overcast day. So you're not yeah. like getting like the pretty picturesque sunset. You we know, all get that feeling too, by the way. I had yeah. it yesterday. I'm not even kidding. I had it yesterday. Yeah. Or just like in my house and I have to stay in my house and I'm just looking outside and it's just this shitty overcast. And I live in an area where there's just trees everywhere. You can right. barely see the sun half the time. Uh, and it's really it's really like quiet and unsettling. It, yeah. Like I, I don't enjoy that part of the day. Sure. Like four yeah, o'clock yeah. to six o'clock is probably my least favorite part of the day, especially in wintertime, you know? Things calm down in a very, very strange way, in a very specific way. And you yeah. feel that here. Yeah, I agree. Even though yeah. this movie is very anxiety inducing as well a lot of the time oh i was horrified like there were times yeah. i had to pause it and like look away from the tv because i thought something was going to happen i thought like a legit right, jump yeah, scare yeah. was going to happen you definitely need to buy into it as a horror movie and you definitely need to not be bored by it right 
And yeah, this is where I, I it's it doesn't enter my list because it's not it doesn't always have me. I understood it entirely what you were saying, and it's actually a really cool number four. But yeah, I wasn't um, I wasn't totally in it a lot of the time. I, I certainly wasn't scared by it, but I I loved what it was doing. You know, if it wasn't necessarily scary for me, I understand why it might have been scary for someone like you for sure. Because that was like going through my head the entire time. Like, yeah. no, this is this is uh, this is going to give Nico nightmares. I can see that. Oh, and it did. It really did. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, really I, good. Stream it on Showtime. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a cool little movie that you probably haven't seen. I I, I agree. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's my number four. Okay, number four for me. Another film. There is no fucking way you saw this. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you saw this, and and I applaud you if you did. But no. Okay. It's a film called Knit Ram. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. Never heard of it, huh? No. <laughs> I'm so happy I kept this a secret. <laughs> what? Nitram. Yep. Nitram. Uh spell that. N I T R A M. Oh, you made a comment a couple weeks ago when we actually just last week when we recorded Why Is This a Thing? And you said Caleb Landry Jones gave your favorite performance of the year. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I'm like, was he was he that blown away by the robot and Finch? <laughs> like, I thought I like for a that second, robot. Like, yeah, I like that robot and Finch. Nope. I'm like, what is he like? There's no way he likes that robot that much. I was very confused by it, and I was thinking about it all week. I'm like, what's? Oh this? wow! I didn't I didn't know that he was like a, a star of a movie this year. I had no idea. He won Best Actor at Con. Nitram, huh? Yeah. Talk to me about Nitram. Give me the premise. Okay. Nitram is probably... This is the, the most bizarre list you've ever had, by the way. Oh, I love it, though. You are I'm really... You're really... I'm proud of this list. <laughs> this is like sophomore in college, Adam, right now. I know. I yeah. know. You're just going full cinephile on me. <laughs> I told you. I love you. this. I, I love told this. You. This is yeah. great. I love this got, version of Adam. Wacky lists. I love it. Yeah, no. This is the most disturbing film I saw this year. Oh, my God. It's... It Nitram is about Martin Bryant, um, and it, Nitram is Martin spelled backwards. But it's like a it's like this uh, nickname or bullying name that kids would level against this kid when he was in high school. So instead of calling him Martin, they'd call him Nitram and yell at him, "Hey, fuck you, Nitram!" and shit like that. Anyway, it's an Australian film made by Justin Kurzel, who made uh, the Michael Fassbender Macbeth. Okay. Who's actually a very interesting director, um, and it is about the Port Arthur massacre, where Martin Bryant went around and shot thirty-five people. Uh, oh, this sounds like a great time. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a delightful little experience, <laughs> and it is, yeah, told from the perspective of Martin. Okay. Um, basically, leading up to that very event before it like actually happens, happens. It's a really uh, kind of, I wouldn't even call it slow. Like this thing actually moves surprisingly well, but it's just this really detailed and quiet character study of this misfit who's probably a little disturbed, just trying to function and just struggling to do it. And sometimes doing what he thinks is normal, actually turning out to be like the worst thing ever. And it's just this, man, this is like the, the most upsetting movie about rejection I've ever seen. 
it's just this this movie that is entirely about like sus- like not just like rejection by like your peers but like life it, when it feels like life is entirely against you mm. that's kind of what this movie's about mm-hmm. so like everything that could possibly go wrong for this guy kind of goes wrong even when he's trying to help he makes things worse and it is similarly it's a film that just boils and boils and boils and then surprisingly it kind of goes down and the boiling seems to stop and then right when you let your guard down everything just explodes um it's it's a devastating film it really upset me i didn't have a good time watching it whatsoever and it's it's fantastic (laughs) i think it looks gorgeous and it's one of those movies that has like that handheld field and it's one of those instances where i wasn't bothered by it at all Mm. it's just this unrest constantly through every little scene through every little time this guy throws a fucking firecracker up in the air and you just want to wring this kid's neck but at the same time you want to give him a hug the entire way through and you just feel again it's another one of those movies where it just never condones the thing that this guy does but you still feel so bad for him you know uh better or worse than elephant Ooh, good question really good question oh man better wow that's a taste thing, though. I could understand why you might think Elephant is be- is better. But this is just so personal. Yeah. And, like, again, it, there's, like, this... It, as dark as it is, and it gets dark, it's just... there's There is this odd sweetness to it, especially with the amount of vulnerability with Caleb Landry Jones, who is unidentifiable in the movie. Wow. It is the best performance I've seen this year. I mean, I was just like, where did you go, man? It yeah, was, it, 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 I guess when you put it that way, like if I'm if I'm going to cast a mass shooter in a movie, a mentally <sighs> disturbed mass shooter, I mean, I think that's that's one of the guys I'd call. Makes sense to me. He's insanely good, and I mean, it is just this the most pathetic human being you've ever seen. But you just you it's like even though it's like it's probably bad to indulge him at, uh-huh. at certain instances in the scenes. You're like, if it'll make him feel better, just just let him do what he wants. You know, it's like that the entire way through, and you're just huh. never quite sure how to deal with it and then you realize like why life has kind of thrown him out and it's just so sad and it's just like like there's just nothing this kid could have done and it's just that like hopeless feel a lot of the way through that just permeates and you just kind of you're kind of wondering like how could this have been fixed and it's it's heartbreaking man um but god damn it yeah caleb landry jones is just out of this world the the, it's like listening to him do an australian accent was flooring me because it was perfect it's like Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> it's one of those like moments where it's like I've always known like Caleb Landry Jones was a great actor, but like this, like convinced me. Okay, maybe he is one of those like new greats where it's like I just want to see everything he does. He's just such an interesting actor. Damn, loved the movie, but it's a it's it's tough. It's it's it, obviously it's tough. Really heavy top ten, man. Like you're. <laughs> Yeah, I was. It, I needed movies. I'm that, putting fucking old on my list, and you're like, "Here's the the school shooter movie." Yeah, I needed a movie that just fucked me up. I, I was, I was like, Jesus. "Movies need to fuck me up more." And yeah, this 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 did the trick. And I just, I, I, it was one of those moments where it's like, I, I another one, another one of those movies that is made better because of the lead performance. But he is the entire movie, and. Wow, what a what a powerhouse role that 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 thing is! I I I couldn't believe what I was watching. And it's funny when you see his acceptance speech; you can tell he's very surprised that he won. But I'm like, dude, no, like you were you were fantastic in the movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, okay, really good, really damn. really good. Damn, damn, damn. Okay, 
There you go. <laughs> Nit Ram. Ram. I'll yeah. probably never watch it. Yeah, you're pro- I, yeah it's not. <laughs> Doesn't sound as fun as Old Henry. No, <laughs> no, not nowhere near as fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was what for you? Number four? Yep. You came to play today, Adam Hall. Yeah, I did. I commend you. All it took was a, a plague <laughs> to lock you in your room, to lock you in the war room. Just crush and tape this guy. Before we get much further, can I just like j- just can I just go down the, the list? King please? of fucking con over here. Let me. <laughs> I did. I went through all like the important con movies. <laughs> let Let me go the through. Merchant of Venice Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about the Merchant of Venice with Al Pacino. That's a movie. <laughs> Adam Hall. Good to have you back, buddy. Speaking of Merchant in Ve- of Venice. <laughs> puts knit ram in their top 10 you're i do you're a fucking hey you put lunatic. old in your top 10 okay so you're right there with me as far as i'm concerned wow i'd like to say here are my 26 films i'm just gonna list them off real quick okay speed read here we well, go okay don't put if you put any on your list don't you know i guess that's true oh shit well Wait, you know we'll do this later we'll do this all right later. all right all right yeah. i'm just anxious i had to plenty do of also rants too we should we'll talk about the, them in a minute okay okay uh, what do you want? Okay, I'm on number three now. Yes. This is a movie that when I saw it, I thought was remarkable. I still think it's remarkable. I don't know why it didn't get more love at the time or on any top ten list. I'm really confused. And I, I, I'd like you to give me the counter argument to my argument here. Because... Uh, the counter argument? Yeah, I just think like the Green Knight's spectacular. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't Yikes. think it's made your list, did it? No. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't care for this movie at all. That's so weird. So uh, written and directed by David Lowry, stars Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, and Joel Edgerton. Uh, did okay at the box office. Made like $19 yeah. million for like an A24 summer movie. I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, I just think like every shot of it is like pretty remarkable like there, it, there's so much thought put into these compositions um i think some have called it a little too beautiful and maybe like that's part of the reason oh well here's my hot take i didn't respond to it visually okay i was kind of thought it was okay i thought it looked like an a24 movie okay and- yeah okay this is maybe what i want to get at it feels like there's been some a24 backlash on film twitter recently yeah and i'm trying to figure out is it because they all look the same. I think it, so. You I know what I mean? So. Yeah. Because it wasn't the most visually distinct movie of the year, man. It just wasn't. Like, there are plenty of movies I saw this year that I just was, like, blown away by them aesthetically. I thought Lamb looked better than this. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And by the way, I thought my top two were better than this. Don't. Okay. Don't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's my number three. Certainly my number three. And it's on a different tier than those top two. But. Uh, like West Side Story looks better than this dude right yeah not, not well, even kidding d- d- don't let's <gasps> relax <gasps> chill out <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there. uh but yeah and i uh, i don't know what i'm missing i just don't know what i'm missing like i i thought like the thing it is a uh a classic high school literature story uh adapted for like a modern audience i i you know, again, like my little cousins didn't really get all the subtext, but 
still like it's visually engaging it's entertaining sure. there's boobs in it there's violence like it's it's not just like a, a sort of like a, a shakespeare in the park adaptation of this material like it does feel very modern and fresh and i i do think the themes at the end of it are really interesting like i i really love yeah, the I ending like the of ending. this movie it's the ending probably the best thing about the movie yeah it's probably my favorite ending of the year this idea that you know uh the promises that you make uh, this 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 valor that you uh, pretend to have your entire life, mm-hmm. it's not really in the service of anything other than yourself. It's like you can yep. either keep your promises or you don't. And if you don't keep your promises, like you might not be punished for it. But I mean, you're going to like regret it for the rest of your life. Yep. You know, so is it is it better to make the sacrifice in service of something or to survive in the service of nothing. And, you know, at the end of this, I I just love the Green Knight sort of ambivalence towards what Sir Gawain does. Um, and I love Dev Patel's performance in this, by the way. I think he's, like, really excellent. Yeah, he is good in the movie. Uh, but, I, you know, I just love that, you know, they changed the ending of the original book. I yeah, think in the I original agree. book, like, there's much more shame brought on to Dev Patel's character. And well, here that shame is sort of imagined. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then the ending sort of happens and it's like, oh, yeah, we're, I'm just going to off with your head now, you know, yep. and that's it. And that's life. Right. I mean, that's life. It's like, why keep your promises? Why do anything the right way? You mm-hmm. know, why fall in love? Why, you know, uh, <laughs> Why do anything? And the answer is because it's worth it for some reason. And we don't know exactly what that reason is. We know that it's just worth it. And you have to obey these rules. You have to follow them if if, if you want to live with yourself. Um, I, I, it was a movie I was thinking about a lot walking out of the theater. I, I just think it's really, really fucking good. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people were muted like you were, Adam. I, I, you know, I, and whatever. I guess I'm the one that's missing something. But um, yeah. Excellent. Vikander is really good in this. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you want more of my retort? <laughs> yeah, please. Give me more. It's boring. Oh. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucking boring. <laughs> it is unconscionably slow. <laughs> I don't find much of the story interesting. I think like a lot of like what it's getting at in terms of like what what it leaves you with are pretty like solid conclusions that I don't need to reflect on that much. And you you know, the movie just straight up gives them to you and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, that nice. Nice." And that that that's a great point you made, movie. And then I just sort of like you know, left it alone. And I don't care about anybody in the movie. They're good uh. performances, but I don't didn't care about what happened to anybody in the movie. Uh. Like when when Deb Patel uh, you know, thinks about like what would happen if he just laid there in the woods and just like withered away and died. I was like, okay, if he's dead, he's dead. Cool. What's the next scene? <laughs> that was my reaction. Wow. There, it's I. It's it is better than I'm letting on. Like it's it it's definitely a good movie. But man, yeah, I I just found it so fucking boring, and I just didn't care about a single soul in the movie. Cold. So, would you describe yeah. it as cold? Um, I mean, cold isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like cold can be compelling is the thing. It can be at the service of something really interesting and compelling. That's what I sort of felt about Dune. Um, but like here, it it wasn't even so much like the coldness to like performances per se, but maybe, maybe the direction a little bit. Okay. You know, you know, sort of reminded me of a French dispatch. Yeah. 
I take a friend's dispatch did not make your top 10. No, <laughs> not even close for me. <laughs> it's my least favorite Wes Anderson film. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh boy, Adam. Yeah. Had a, yeah. Not very good. Hey, boy. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that was a little, I bit felt different. vindicated to be honest. Well, I, I was, you know, it's funny. I, I was watching, I was like, this is the tenant for, uh, uh, all those, um, um, Wes Anderson lovers. Yeah. I imagine once, I started reading all the criticisms of French dispatch and I'm like, this is what I've been saying for a decade. Yeah. yeah. Literally everything I've been saying, people, <laughs> apparently they had had too much when French Yeah, no, French it, it, it is exactly, very much exactly what it, I mean, I wouldn't call that like a cold movie or anything. Uh, you know, it, it's just like, I, it was one of those instances where I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. What the hell are we doing? I know. Um, and I yeah. liked the art sequence. I kind of liked it. If I had to pick one, that's my favorite sequence. <laughs> I liked the the everyone's least favorite, which is the I think the Timothy Chalamet one. You I'm liked only, that one. I'm the only person that liked the Timothy Chalamet one, and I kind of liked the art one. Hated the third act. No, that third act didn't. No, 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 not good. But yes, like this is the only time where I, again, to, to quote what you were saying during the tenant review, this is the first time I felt what you felt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, now I get it. This is the first time where it's like, I feel Wes Anderson going too far and just like, like completely going out of control here. Like, like totally missing the heart that made his other movies so good. Mm-hmm. This didn't have any of that heart that like something like the Grand Budapest Hotel has for me personally. Certainly like Fantastic Mr. Fox or Rushmore, which I just watched yesterday. Such a good movie. That's amazing. Such a good movie. It's an amazing movie. I agree with you. Yes, Nico. French Dispatch. No good. No good. Thank uh, God. Thank God. But any, <laughs> you're welcome. Anyway, ba- back number three to, for you. Back to back to my list. Yes, yes, yes. Number three for me is Summer of Soul. Okay, here we go. Yep. Smiled from ear to ear wa- the entire way through for this movie. Haven't been so happy watching a movie in a while. It was a just this rejuvenating experience that I really, really needed. And uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, the movie is essentially, you know, billed as the story of the quote unquote black Woodstock. That's kind of mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. It's this coming together of Harlem to just, you know, join and revel in uh, the music scene there. And it is absolutely glorious to behold. It's it's one of the most entertaining films I've seen th- th- this entire year, and I just was eating it up. You know, I mean, it, it is just kind of like a rock doc, you know. And then you yeah, know, it's a concert this, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a concert movie, and you know, th- what, there's only so much you can say about that. But it's just, I guess, it's a matter of like what the music does to you, you know. And it's just funny to watch like a hidden gem show itself to you in the process because I had no idea this existed. Yeah, uh, I didn't know anything about it either. One of the brilliant things, so Questlove directs. Yeah. In his uh, big screen debut. So there you go. Another another debut. Yeah. Another right. debut feature. One of the brilliant things he does there. And like, listen, documentaries like this, there are hundreds of them a year, literally hundreds of documentaries a year. And all of them sort of follow the same formula. And sometimes you just need like one stroke of genius to make your movie stand out. So like I think about the Michael Jordan documentary, mm. the brilliance of just letting Michael watch the interviews that other players gave about him. Yeah. And the ability to have a dialogue with the other talking heads in the movie. that That's the moment that elevates this from standard ESPN 30 for 30 doc to one of the you know great sports documentaries of all time. It's just that one little thing. And Summer of Soul, I think, had a similar stroke of genius, which was let's interview people that were actually there. Yeah. You know, let's not just show them. 
let's have them recount this story. And it adds this whole new layer of complexity and this depth to the story. And, and uh, I mean, that's that's the way to make it feel like you're there. You know, you can blast the music as loud as you want and you can include all the great angles. But, you know, you can't feel it unless someone's describing it to you. And and mm-hmm. that was the great thing about this. They didn't really interview a ton of artists. They interviewed a couple artists and a couple of the organizers of the event or whatever. But it was mostly talking heads of people in the crowd. That was like, yeah. I was 10 years old and yeah, my yeah, mom yeah. walked me to the park to watch this. And <laughs> it's one of the great experiences of my life. Like, it's it's a real stroke of genius, that one move. And that's, I think, what elevated it for me. It, it, great music. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm a Love sucker music. for you know R&B soul of this era. Obviously, uh, you know Stevie Wonder's in this, and uh, and uh, you know other sort of iconic uh, Motown and R&B artists, and yeah, it's 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 already made for me to begin with. But that that extra layer I thought was just brilliant by Questlove. I just love the idea that it's like interviewed by people who almost treat the event as something that was lost in time, though. Mm-hmm. So it's like this. It was like sa- it almost feels like when they're recounting it, like this thing that was saved for them. And mm-hmm. I just love I just love their like pure joy and seeing it come back. It was like it's nostalgic in like the best possible way you could imagine. And I just mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did, what was it on your list, though? It doesn't sound like it made the list. Uh, it was around 20, I think. Uh, I had it at 25. That's not like a ding on the movie. I, 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 I really liked it. I just think there were other music documentaries this year that I liked more. Uh, none of them made it, though. I'll just shout this out. Great year for music docs. Yeah, I Gr- agree. Great fucking year for music docs. Beatles the documentaries. one was good. Uh, oh, my God. Velvet Vel- Underground was great. Really good, yeah. Uh, the... Uh, Actually, great year for musicals in general. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, great, great year for like good musicals being made. Not necessarily for the box office, though. No, uh, but Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, uh, we'll talk West Side Story in a minute. Um, uh, in the Heights. Yeah. Even Annette came out. I mean, Annette that's wasn't true. particularly good, but I mean, that's a a strange movie to get made with big movie stars. Sure. Uh. Yeah, I, uh, great year for music docs. Uh, the The Ringer and HBO did a series called Music Box. Oh, the on, Sparks Brothers too. I forgot about that one. Sparks Brothers, you're right. Yeah, documentary came out. Uh, the, the but the Ringer series. Uh, there was a, you know one of them was Woodstock '99. One of them uh, uh, was about Kenny G. That was actually the one that I want to highlight. My favorite one was the Kenny G documentary. It was. Yeah, it, it's it's really excellent. Um, but it, so that was the series. You thought of five it was movies. excellent. It's very low on my list. I thought you it didn't like bad. it. It's sixty nine, man. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't think it was very good. Oh okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think it was very good at all. <laughs> anyway, that that's weird. Good. That is weird. <laughs> Velvet Underground documentary is very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The Beatles <laughs> thing's the best thing I saw this year. Okay. I still need to see that. Whatever. Okay. You didn't like. I, I'm. I'm surprised. And Kenny G sucks. He fucking sucks, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the movie acknowledges it. that he sucks. No, but like as a person, like fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, I like him. him. I think he comes across kind of likable. Oh no. Oh no. I thought I kind of liked him in it. Didn't like him. I mean, he knows that he's a hack. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I appreciate that. Oh, <clears throat> maybe. Maybe. Yeah, not okay. a fan. Well, all right, there we go. Summer of Souls, your number three? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe my number two is your number one. So I'll well, save that. Well, let's see. We what? Well, what is it? What's your number two? 
It's West Side Story. Oh, yeah. It's my number two as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's your number one. Hey, how do you know? Interesting. Hey, how do how do you know? Interesting. Directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Written by Tony Kush. Tony Kushner. The <clears throat> Kush. Yep. Starring Ansel Elgort, Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, David Alvarez, and Rita Moreno. Made $52 million at the box office. Everyone's like, movies are over. You're probably mm. right. They're probably yeah. over. Yeah. But what a good time it was, man. How fun to be on this sinking ship. How fun to be on the Titanic as it goes into, into, the, into the ocean. Yep. West Side Story. Spiely. Still got his fastball. You remember a couple shows ago, you were like, why the fuck is Spielberg just doing West Side Story? I like, know. Do I really need it? Is it really going to be that good? Oh, Turns I out, it. yes. Yes, Nico. It I can be it. that good. Holy <laughs> you, shit. You idiot. This movie's phenomenal, and I will hear n- no one talk to me uh, contrary. It, 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 I, the, mm, I am so happy to see a Spielberg movie this good again. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe yeah. it. Still, still has it. I mean, every frame is so well considered. Yes. I, it is an electric movie. I mean, yes. you just think about these scenes, like the high school dance, Ariana DeBose waving her dress in front of the camera. I know. Uh, the America sequence. Mm. Uh, the, even the quiet moment of like Rita Moreno singing Someday. Uh, the, or somewhere, sorry. The way they interact with their surroundings in the Officer Krupke bit, which was great. Yes. Just the, the creativity for the blocking. You know, mm. it well while it certainly obviously resembles the original, but like has its own distinct flair, which mm. I was pretty amazed by. Yeah, it well, a lot of this is Kushner because he came into this and was like, All right, what's my take on West Side Story? Because I think we all had a similar reaction when we heard yep. the news, which is like, why are we doing this again? Now, mm-hmm. in hindsight, you think about like the Natalie Wood brown face. Yeah, you, you yeah, know, sure. you think about some of this stuff that is so noticeable in that original movie. Yep. And you think, oh, yeah, maybe this is ready for a remake. Maybe it does need a new shine of paint, right? Uh, Then when you start thinking about it more, and and I'm sure Tony Kushner did a similar thing, was like, how do we update this for a modern audience? Okay, let's maybe make this a gentrification story. Let's start this thing in the middle of a construction site about, you know, this sort of this Puerto Rican neighborhood that had been bulldozed and recreated as the Lincoln as Lincoln Square in 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 modern day Manhattan. Right. Let's make this about the haves and have nots more. Let's make it more violent. Let's make it a little scarier. You know, let's make the jets into monsters. You know what I mean? Let's just not have them be balletic sort of like twirling song and dance boys. (laughs) Let's make them monsters by the end of this let's make that rape scene at the end like pack an even harder punch let's have the ariana debose character the you know the anita character you know and and, um you know really get into to some 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 serious conflict with rachel zegler at the end i mean like that's one of the things about that original movie is that tony fucking murders bernardo you know fucking kills him (laughs) And like they kind of get over it here. They don't get over yeah, it, yeah. you know, and part of that is also because Maria and Bernardo don't really get along that well. I mean, just little things, Adam, little changes that are made. And so much of it is Kushner, who's a genius. And so much of it is Spielberg, who's a genius. And I, I'm sorry for ever doubting these two old yeah. horses, you know, I'm sorry for ever doubting. them. 
because it was I, yeah man everything you just said is absolutely true because the other thing about it too and it, you kind of disagree with this but it is very similar to that original it's not it is. like oh yeah it is it's it's not like a starkly different film the best way i could ex- describe it is that it is a remake in the same way that like true grit is a remake whereas like you watch those two movies and they are very 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 similar movies sometimes uh-huh. even in script form yeah but there's just something about the handling of it there's just something about the way it just slightly shifts focus and then you see something totally new and mm-hmm. i just love like exactly what you just said the whole gentrification aspect is so smart and so prevalent for today mm-hmm. and just so naturally integrated into like every little scene every little part of the setting it's just sometimes the movie feels like post-apocalyptic doesn't it it does yeah yeah it, does. It, it's, it, it has a real sense of place I where know. that first movie it, it certainly does but Oh, yeah. I mean, it was shot on an L.A. soundstage. I mean, you can tell in that original yeah. movie. Like, it's yeah. a big Technicolor Hollywood musical, one of the greats mm-hmm. of all time. But it's not as tangible as this one. No. It just isn't. Just the know? opening shot where he comes up from out of the earth, yeah. out of, like, hell. He's coming out of this just destroyed ruin that once was, like, a great New York. Mm-hmm. It's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I just – and, again, every, like, little new addition, every little change with the exception of one little thing. And I said this to you. During the movie, which was the shifting of uh, I Feel Pretty. It's the only note I think it's just, it's like the tonal shift from going from uh, Tony killing Bernardo to I Feel Pretty was just not, uh, the the transition wasn't natural enough. It felt a little rushed and I didn't fully get there. There was just too much whiplash. And the only reason they did it was because that's how it's structured in the original play, not the original movie. Yeah. They I'm actually, not like a big Broadway head. So I didn't, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people I'm sure are watching this like, Oh, this is very loyal to the original stage version. And apparently uh, it is. Yeah. So, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Uh, but it I didn't was, ruin it, but it was just like, eh, it, yeah, it, I was just, just so wrapped up in the movie at that point. Like, yeah. the the fucking shots, man. The shots yeah, in this movie. Oh my god! Well, the way the way this is just so carefully directed. It's again like a considered nature to every single move of the camera. Let alone like just like the shot composition. It's just brilliant. Like again, I was like, oh, this guy is still twenty seven years old making Jaws. I know. Like, like uh, what the hell? Like where the? F- mm, it it kind of made me mad. Where have you like, been? Where have you been? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what are you Steven, making the post for? Exactly. It's like, Stephen, you realize you made the post like like five years ago or whatever. And he would have been like, oh, yeah, shit, I guess I did. Like, made the BFG? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? And like, I like Bridge of Spies just as much as the next guy. But Yo, even come, you know me. I love some Bridge of Spies. But even take Bridge of Spies next to this. The, like the youthfulness is so so gone in that, and it's just amazing to see him get it back. Now I'm kind of like, oh, maybe you could do Indy Five. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> maybe you could do Indiana Jones Five. I know, I know, I know, but you know, but it was it, it was just amazing to see uh, Spielberg back in this way. I mean, it is one of the greatest returns of returns to form I've ever seen, at least in a, at least in a, a number of years. And I was just, was just blown away by it on, on, on all fronts. Yeah. It's his best movie in 20 years. I mean, it's crazy to say though, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really nuts. Cause you're right. Even the, the blockbuster stuff, even the like ready player ones or the tin tins or the BFGs or whatever, they do have this sort of old man quality to them, you know? Even mm-hmm. if one of them is about a virtual reality video game, there <laughs> is still this, like, 
there's a there's a tinge of Lincoln in all of them. Yeah, you know, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, something about it where it's like, oh yeah, this is still really inspired filmmaking, and it's mm-hmm. it's solid. Yeah, but the man is 80 years old almost. Clearly, yeah, and you can tell. Whereas this one, no, I mean it's as youthful and full of life and energy as anything he's ever made. Uh, it's shocking. I mean, it's just a real shocking return to form, you know? I know, I know. In I know. a year with all these great debuts, all these young, fresh filmmakers, like, to see fucking Spiely taking the old Corvette out for a spin. It just made me so happy. I couldn't believe it. I really, it's just like, if nothing else, at least we got Spielberg being Spielberg again, and like, fuck yeah. Right. Fuck yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really good. It, yeah, Loved knocked it. me off my feet. Um, yeah. The the scene where they, they give Rita Moreno someday. Mm. Um is it someday or somewhere? Somewhere. Somewhere. Someday, somewhere. Okay, somewhere. Uh, that Just a brilliant choice. Just like, again, just a stroke of genius letting her sing that song. Yeah, I know. My mom loved it too. She's a big like West Side Story nut and has performed it a few times and loves it to death. So mm-hmm. yeah, she, yeah, she was very, very like, like she, it get, when it gets my mom's seal of approval, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you done good, Spiely. You done good. <laughs> Okay, number ones. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, because it's a movie we talked about already. Is it? It's it's called Licorice Pizza. Don't out. Uh, don't overthink this, uh, okay. guys. Don't overthink this, gang. Relax. Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, Bradley Cooper, and Benny Safdie. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I gave you all of my uh, initial hangups. And I've just been thinking about this movie since I saw it mm-hmm. a couple days ago. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just it makes me cry. It makes me cry <laughs> thinking about it. Okay. I'm a ball of mush thinking about this movie. I think it's what you said before. When you think about the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson is writing this movie it's semi-autobiographically, also through the lens of, of one of his friends, uh and what's that guy's name shoot he's a hollywood producer now he worked on like a lot of tom hanks movies gary getsman or something gary getsman there it is so gary getsman was this former child actor uh turned sort of hustler Mm -hmm. uh turned uh hollywood executive and is good friends with pta and he told him a lot of stories so a lot of this is based on like his childhood growing up in the valley but i mean you can tell it's so fucking idiosyncratic i mean all of these stories are so specific they had to have happened to somebody at some point right fucking uh, a waterbed salesman hustler exactly (laughs) it's so weird it's just so specific right so you think about this and it's like okay this is paul thomas anderson's most personal movie since maybe boogie nights or since Magnolia, maybe. Sure. Maybe ever. Uh, it's a return to the valley. It's a return to, as I think I said before, a more uh, light on its feet. Paul Thomas Anderson, you know. Uh, boogie days, I think, as you may call it. Or boogie yeah, yeah. nice is another way of putting it. <laughs> boogie yeah. nice. Uh, then you think, okay, who's he going to cast in this? And he auditions a bunch of people. And specifically auditions a bunch of 15-year-old boys. To, to play the, the title or to play the, the main role here. And like all of these guys are coming in, all these young boys are like being really theater kid and they're coming in and they're just like showing off and they're, they're doing what I think like a 15 year old would do in an audition, which is like ham it up. And like they just need a little more life on them to be able to star in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Right. So PTA says, all right, 
do I know any like 15 year old boys? Because none of these guys are fucking working here. None of them are working. Yep. Oh, I do know one. He happens to be the son of one of the greatest actors to ever live. One of my best friends. (laughs) One of my best friends' kids who I have known since he was a baby. Yep. Uh, He could do this, right? So he calls Cooper Hoffman up, who has never acted in anything before. Yep. Has not acted in anything. No school plays. (laughs) No fucking pretend short films that he made with his friend. You know, nothing like that, right? He's just being a kid. And his father is Philip Seymour Hoffman. And yep. Paul Thomas Anderson goes, oh, he could maybe do it. And also, like, I'm I'm good friends with, like, the Haim sisters. I love that family. I've done a bunch of their music videos before. But she's never acted either. Maybe she could do this. She's, like, really charismatic. I like, I like her vibe. I know her well. I can work with these two. I can teach them how to act. <laughs> yep. So he teaches them how to act. In in a movie, in yeah. one of his movies, these yeah. movies are etched in stone. He's Paul Thomas Anderson. Every movie he makes is going to be picked apart for decades to come. To have the confidence to put these two in it, and for them to be as remarkable as they are, mm-hmm. the amount of love and care you can tell he has over these two people. Yep. You know, the affection he has not just for the characters but for the actors, and to think about. The fact that Cooper is playing the part that his father could have played in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just can't help but just bawl my eyes out thinking about it. Like, it's it's just, it's so beautiful. I mean, this movie is is just fucking gorgeous. Um, did I love it as much as his other movies? Maybe, maybe not. I don't fucking know. They, they all mean so much to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, watching it, 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 it was the one movie this year, as I watched it, I said, I don't want this to end. Okay. I rooted for it not to end. And that is the bar for me. If you clear that bar, that's how I know you made an eco movie. Uh, And that's what they did here. All the little characters, the Sean Penn character, uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh my God. The Bradley Cooper scenes. This is what I will say, because I was not a big fan of the Sean Penn moments. Although I love it when Gary is running to get Elena. So much ball. running in this movie. Lo- lo- that's just a great little Much little like Punch Drunk Love. PTA loves yeah. running. Loved it. Loved that part. But the Bradley Cooper scene is like a classic scene for me from now on. It's just the greatest fuck you to a guy in the industry I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and if you know who John Peters is. <laughs> so I heard, though, that that didn't happen. Like, he called John Peters ahead of time. Really? So I guess, yeah, this was a story. So, uh... Uh, you know, his buddy Gary told them this story about how he once delivered a, a waterbed to John Peter's house. And, oh, John Barbara, Peter said it didn't happen. No, this, no, this, listen. So he goes, he, he was, this is PTA is relaying this story. And he goes, yeah, so I heard this story about how he once delivered a waterbed to John Peter's. So I called John Peter. But so, oh no. So the guy says, yeah, we went over. He was really lovely to us. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to a movie. Stay as long as you want. Take your time. Don't worry about it. Here's some drinks, whatever. And so PTA calls John Peters up and says, hey, can I put you in this movie? I heard this story. Gary Getzman, whatever, told me this story. And uh, and Peters is like, yeah, do whatever you want. Just put my pickup line in there about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So PTA is like, well, I can't just put this nice fucking story in here. So I'm going to take every mean story about every Hollywood producer I've ever heard and put it into this John Peters character. So John Peters just signed up to be a punching bag here. That's this funny. didn't actually happen because I'm watching this. I'm like, how much does he fucking hate John Peters? Like, this is yeah, really Jesus nasty. Christ. 
<laughs> but John Peters apparently was in on the joke and it was all all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great scene though. But it's a great scene. It's a wonderful scene. I, my mouth went ajar when he said, I'm John Peters. I'm like, what? <laughs> and Abby had no idea what I was reacting to. Yeah, no one would. Yeah. I was just like, that is brilliant. I'm the only one in the theater laughing, of course. Yeah. And it, 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 everyone's like, I don't get it. It's just like, oh, yeah. you poor souls. Yeah. If you're bothered by the relationship of a 25 year old girl to a 15 year old, get over it. I don't know what to tell you. It's the movies. <laughs> Grow well, up, people. Grow, <laughs> fucking grow up, okay? You're missing the fucking point. Grow yeah, up. I know, I know, I know. Stop complaining. These people aren't real, okay? Yeah. They're yeah. they're actors. They're on screen. No, no, no pedophilia happened, all right? Chill. I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of pedophilia. <laughs> Everybody fucking relax. It's a movie about a girl that can't grow up and a movie about a boy that thinks he's already grown up. And yes, exactly. That's the whole point of the movie, and they're meeting at this part, part in their lives, and... There's fucking one kiss. Get over it. I don't shut up. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's a the dumbest bad. controversy. It's really fucking stupid. Yeah, it's not real. Like you said, it's not real. Get it over just has it. nothing. To, it has nothing to do with the movie. Like you're just missing so much. If that's your main takeaway coming out of this, like there's so much more to the movie than that. I know. I agree. I agree. I don't have any issue with it in that way. Yeah, because it's a movie. <laughs> it's so alive. It's, yes, it it's, is. It's so alive. Every every frame is just so considered. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just made me so happy. And it was, I guess, in many ways, it was always going to be my number one. And there was no way that it wasn't going to be my number one. Yeah, it was. (laughs) The thing about this, this sometimes, (laughs) even like, it it could be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it's like like Dune with you, right? It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. But Dune's not my number one. Yeah, I know you've disqualified Dune. Yeah, I did. I I actually disqualified it. I mean, it would be my number one. But I had similar feelings about Dune where... Uh, I just never, ever wanted it to end. I could have stayed in that world and just examined those characters and seen what they were up to for, you know, five more hours. I, I wouldn't have given a shit. Um, and I guess it's important for me to talk about Dune because it would be, like I said, it would be my number one. Be- but the principle that I kept having was like, no, like, like, like it's very definitively only half of a movie. It just feels weird and unfair to, you know, consider it, you know on the list and like i will only watch denis villeneuve's dune in part one and part two more so mm-hmm. than i would kill bill volume one kill bill volume two i yeah. could just watch kill bill volume one and call it where it's like that's not the case this time around mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different but uh i will say like like in the case of something like dune and part of the reason why it would be my distinct number one is like it just kind of gave me everything i look for in a movie and it's that cinematic experience I was looking for that was just unlike anything else. It's it's really a movie unlike any other movie of its kind. When you look at just like the the blockbusters that came out or just blockbusters in general, they just never get made like this. They never look like that. They never have the level of ambition that Dune does. They never have the audacity to be half of the story <laughs> and just be like, and we'll just hope we get the sequel. Yeah. And it's just like, are you out of your fucking mind, especially nowadays? Mm. Uh, and somehow it paid off off and i'm amazed that it paid off i'm amazed that people understood it this is the other thing that i was really blown away by with doom like when i talked to people who saw it and like were really resonated with it and i'm like well were you confused by it you must have been a little confused by it and they're like no no i get this and Mm -hmm. i understand the coup that happens i understand paul's place in this world I, i understand like what his his mother and her little organization are doing i don't remember their name but i remember what they were up to <laughs> right i'm right. like okay that's fine i'll take that yeah you don't yeah, have yeah. To, you don't have to say bene Gesserit. that's okay uh-huh. um 
but like th- that is part of the thing that I was struck by it. Like, like people like embrace the movie and it was, it was really interesting. And also for being as, as ambitious and artistic as it is, it's like, cause it's a very poetic film and movies like that don't necessarily operate well on a, on a big scale and they don't, you know, transcend, you know, like, like just like general fare, like the, the type of things that like general audiences sort of scoff at. And the fact that it, you know, made that connection is pretty admirable, I must say. And the other, my final note is like, there are scenes in Dune that I thought about more than the entirety of other films on my top 10. Like I thought more about the Jameis fight than any other movie on the list. And it wasn't even close, just that one scene. And I thought Mm -hmm. more about the sandworm attack and the Gom Jabbar scene. I thought more about um, even just the palm trees scene and sort of what that means and kind of like the cost of sacrifice. Uh, and like so the cost of sacrifice and the means of paradise. Like that was very interesting to me. Just so much of the movie just sticks with me and I'll just continue to revisit it for those really exotic, evocative and provocative moments. It's just, it's awesome. It's an awesome film. But like I said, on principle, I disqualified it. Sorry, Dune. Uh, my number one. Do you know what it is? Can't believe Godzilla versus Kong has lasted oh, this long. That is true. Yeah, it's Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong, guys. It was the giant monkey. It was the giant monkey. I I still really like Godzilla versus Kong. I don't know where that is on my list. It's pre- actually hold on. Let me just piss you off for a second. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> is thirty one. Okay. Um. Yeah. I have That's a guess. Me. I would love if you just ripped out Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I mean, I would. <laughs> I, I mean, that would be the cherry on top of this thing, but I don't I don't think that's where we're going here. Might be Abby's number one. Abby loved it. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I kind of loved it, too. It's a good movie. <laughs> I, man. I actually thought it was really fun uh, and just cracked me. It's been a while since I've seen a comedy like that that made me laugh that much. So uh-huh. good on you, Barb and Star. Nope. Number one is is not even close. It's drive my car. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Fucking merchant of Venice Film Festival over here, baby. I I kicked your ass this evening. I I took you to town, Nico. You you got nothing on me, man. Shout out to the letterbox crowd, baby. Oh, Adam. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. Talk what did you to think I was going to say? Car. Uh, I thought Power of the Dog might have been there. Oh no, no. Yeah, that was no, a movie. You... I, another movie that I'm watching. I'm like, this is very good. Yeah, it is. It's very. Can same, we be same, done with it now, please? Like, same re- response. I yeah, ex- ex- I had it at 16. It's a really good movie, but yeah, similar kind of thing. Yeah, uh, 26 for me. Yeah, okay. That's I think fine. really solid, great Benedict Cumberbatch performance. Bronco oh, yeah. Henry is the funniest name of all time. Bronco Henry. It's so fucking funny. Every time they say Bronco Henry, I die laughing. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, just like, yeah, okay. I get the point. Uh, but okay, drive my car. Talk to me. Did you see it? No. Ooh, okay. Drive My Car is a movie about uh, a playwright, or not even a playwright. He's like an actor, actually. God, and I came just- so unprepared today. I should have Man. let you know. Oh, I came unprepared. That's okay. That's okay. You God. saw you saw some good. Did you see Come On, Come On? I did. Okay. Yeah. Another Sorry. good one. Okay. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a movie about an actor who's trying to put on a play and a tragedy befalls the guy, and he's forced to continue trying to put on the play 
uh, amidst the tragedy. And as he's putting on the plate, more things are uncovered about this person who passed away in his life that he wasn't necessarily prepared to deal with, not just from his own internal struggle, but from other people who knew her. And in the meanwhile, he's developing a relationship you know, a, a person, a professional relationship with someone who drives him from his home to the play. It doesn't mm. sound very interesting, does it? Well, it's gorgeous in every possible way you could imagine. It's just, it's, it's, it, it's, I mean, I don't even know how to get into this thing. It's like dense with, with its subject matter, not with the way it talks about it, just with the way it's like slowly unveils everything, just kind of about, like like how you deal with grief amidst trying to work on something personal and how that stuff can affect the artistic process. And my God, I just I, I, I couldn't get enough of like the, the mood of the movie. It's it's a hard one to talk about just because it's just so uh, I don't know, like there's this weird ethereal quality to everything that happens Um it's it's you know it's not it doesn't always come out and tell you like what's going on or like why certain like dramatic things are happening and it's kind of a hard movie to talk about without spoiling unfortunately mm-hmm. so that's why I'm just kind of dancing around this but it is just this personal journey unlike anything I've ever seen sort of about like survival you know it's a movie that sort of you know we were talking about eyes wide shut not so long ago and talking about how like 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 the the sadness of just surviving can be a really serious thing to deal with in life. And this is kind of about that, except it's a little more optimistic from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, like, especially with the way his relationship develops with his driver and how they, they, their stories kind of connect and, you know, the, the, the many personal things that they've struggled to deal with. It's just, it's, it's a very unconventional relationship. And, you know their past abuse wouldn't necessarily signify that they would have so much to relate to but it's it's amazing how they come together it's amazing the the conclusions they find about how to deal with the their their own inner turmoil um and it's not cheesy in any way it's it doesn't pull any punches it has some of the more interesting insights on humanity and one of the sadder things about it is the realization that this person you thought you knew might not necessarily have cared as much about you as you thought or might not have necessarily had invested in much in you as you would have thought. And it doesn't answer that that question, whether or not like, oh, they definitely didn't give a fuck about you or they definitely did. It's just like, no, it's just sometimes you have to ask those questions and you're never really going to get the answers, but you need to find peace. And I think that's really the the ultimate thing about this movie. It's about just kind of finding, you know, some odd center and <laughs> and trying to do your best to, you know, uh, I guess what I already said, like that, that feeling of acceptance, you know, amidst something so, so horrible that happened to you that you didn't fully understand. Yeah. I'm, I'm rambling like crazy, but it is just, it's a lot. And it's a, it's a movie that like really, really deeply affected me. And it's probably a better movie. It could be a better movie than Dune. Damn. Yeah. It's, Damn. it's a Japanese film too. Yeah. We should mention that, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a Japanese film and directed yeah. by this guy, uh, Ryo Suke Hamaguchi. Real Am I saying that name right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, am painfully ignorant. I have not seen any of his movies, although I've I've heard great things about them. He made two movies this year, actually. He Did made he? Drive My Car and he made Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, uh, oh. both of which had uh, had positive reviews. Um, made a movie called Happy Hour a few years ago. The Sound of Waves. Um, yeah, people love this guy. Uh, 
Oh man, you just fucking just lapped me this year, man. You just just fucking lapped me. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I didn't expect that. I th- I thought you you had it uh, right on. Like, oh, you're just gonna say drive my car, but no, yeah, drive my car is is the movie, man. Wow. It was just it's just the the most moved I've been by a personal story of a character in a very long time. And again, the way he finds like like an avenue to finding his own inner peace through the art form that he's engaged in is just so interesting. And, and I love the, the many resources he has to get there. And it's mostly through just through, just through like what he learns about himself and what he learns about his life and his relationships just through like a casting call mm. is the most amazing thing and most touching thing I've ever seen. And just the relationship to his lead actor in the movie is so disturbing and weird and, like just hard it's just hard that's the best way i can describe the movie it's just a difficult thing to come to terms with a lot of the time but it's so beautiful it's so so beautiful and it's centered between this this great mystery with like who his wife really was and what a lot of her intentionality was throughout you know the time that we were with her spoiler it's his wife yeah i think you just gave that away (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm sorry but like like i can't talk about without spoiling yeah his wife dies and there's uh complications with his relationship and his wife okay um I guess I, I didn't see the trailer, but I'm sure that was probably mentioned in the trailer because it happens pretty early on in the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm just still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still trying to come to terms with it in a good way. And it's just some, it's just like that, again, that, that, that mood that's created in a movie that I just never forget. And I love these performances. I, there's a, a absolutely startling scene in a car where he has he has this conversation no. with, his, with, with his with a lead act no no, no. <laughs> in a car you say oh yeah sorry no 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 but it's he's driving he's driving back from like a bar or something like that uh-huh. and he's having a conversation with his lead actor and it is the strangest most disturbing thing but it's like this shocking moment of like realization that I just didn't see coming and it just knocked me on my ass and yeah I I was I was speechless <laughs> uh. Adam, you came to play today. Yeah. <laughs> you came to play, uh, and you've given me a bunch of movies I need to still watch. Apparently, my homework is not done. No, no. Hey, I, I still haven't seen Macbeth, so, you know, unfortunately, yeah. I'm very yeah, upset. That- I was going to say that. There are some that, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't get a chance to see Red Rocket yet. Um, mm-hmm. That's one that I, I think might be a contender. Obviously, anytime a Coen brother makes a movie, we have to see it before the list is finalized. So, yep. yeah, Macbeth, there might still be room for uh, I'm thinking maybe we do our Macbeth podcast in two weeks. What do you think? I'd I'd like that. I just like I said, I just watched uh, Justin Kurzel's for the okay. first time, and it was great. It's a really good movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd love you know Macbeth. You know, I've said this a billion fucking times. Macbeth is like my favorite thing in the world. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'd love to do that. I still haven't seen Orson Welles's Macbeth, so that's okay. homework for me to do. You know? Yeah. Uh, let, should we should we go uh, through our honorable mentions? How, well, I just about, gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> I just go gotta ahead, go, go ahead. My read list. your list. Read your list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Here we go. So, movies I have seen recently. All right, all the way down one to twenty six movies. So, here we go. No Man of God, Passing, Coda, Summer of Soul, The Night House, No Sudden Move, Encounter, Belfast. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Listening to Kenny G, West Side Story, The Little Things. Not very good, by the way. I didn't not want to upset Zach. I didn't want to upset Zach, but it's not very good at all. Not very good. 
the Velvet Underground, Old Henry, Knit Ram, The French Dispatch, Stillwater, Come On, Come On, Matrix Resurrections. Ooh. Uh, haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah. I haven't not, watched it. I've been putting it off. You scared good. me off. It's not good. Not oh, good. No. But but even worse is Don't Look Up, uh, Licorice Pizza, A Boy Called Christmas, <laughs> Drive My Car, Swan Song. Uh-uh, not not good? Nah, it's kind of whatever. Okay. Uh, the worst person in the world, and finally, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll go eleven to twenty here. Okay, I'll read my eleven to twenty. Uh, eleven was the card counter. Talked about it enough. Uh, loved <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, I'm a sucker for Paul Schrader movies about gamblers. Uh, Bergman Island, one of those like ah. Very good. Uh, okay. I see what you did there, movie. Uh, not a lot of room for that on my top 10, although uh, I, I really liked it a lot. Really smart okay. movie, okay. really smart script. Um, it, it's about this couple. It, it's actually a pair of screenwriters. One is like a successful filmmaker. The other one is oh. kind of like an aspiring screenwriter, the woman is. And they go to this island where Igmar Bergman lived and made a lot of his movies. And uh, they actually like go into his house or whatever and like... It's not it's not a Bergman movie by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. It's not it doesn't like mimic it in form. Uh but it's about sort of like the fine line between life and art and how art imitates life and life imitates art, vice versa, whatever. Um v- very good. Very good movie. Okay. I w- would recommend it. Didn't make the list. Uh Judas and the Black Messiah talked about Come on, come on, I thought it was very good. I thought the mm-hmm. kid was like remarkable in it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm. Th- do you know that guy's British? That kid is British. Really? Oh my god! Shocking, Could've right? Could have fooled me. Jesus Christ! Shocking. Was... How is he that charming and British at the same time? It's nuts. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I really like the movie too, except for the I, I didn't like the interview sequences talking with the kids. Like it was just yeah. Too, I too much kind of agree. Me. I kind yeah. of agree. Too much. Like Mike Mills though, um, and loved, loved, loved twentieth century women. Loved okay. it. Uh, I think it's a better version. Than of this but both very sweet coming of age type things all right uh stillwater talked about no sudden move good no movie. sudden move good movie soderbergh good mo- looks like shit but it's a good movie <laughs> i'm not even kidding the movie would might have made my top 10 had the film not have been filmed the way it is god damn it was it pissing me off it's so frustrating it's yeah. so frustrating just stretch it out man it, fucking it, correct that thing in post but it's just like you'll but you'll have like in the center of the frame like a normal looking Benicio del Toro, and then in the side of the frame you have Don Cheadle there, and he's like stretched around the frame literally. He he's as thin as a pencil, and it just looks so bad. I know it's so frustrating because Don Cheadle's great in it. Oh yeah, this is this like is a, one of Don Cheadle's best performances in years. I agree. I completely agree. And I was shocked to say again, it's like, yes, thank you. You're fantastic in this movie. I just wish that your movie didn't look like garbage. Anyway. I know. I know. Anyway, uh, the lost daughter. I didn't that, see it yet. That one kind of caught me by surprise. Maggie Gyllenhaal directs. Not perfect. Certainly not perfect. Olivia Coleman though is like one of our best actors. I mean, she's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. incredible right. in it. Bergman Island esque. Okay. Again, I prefer old though. If we're talking about <laughs> beach movies where we contemplate age. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's in your top ten. Jesus Christ. So good. Uh, Shiva Baby. Oh, I love Shiva Baby. Good movie hung around in the top 20. Uh, nobody hung around there as well. Tick, tick, boom. You saw Tick, tick, boom? Yeah, I did. And I really liked it. liked it. I liked yeah, it a lot. I liked it. 
and all right, I won't I won't beat this dead horse too much. Yeah. I liked being the Ricardos. Oh, I didn't I like I liked it. I understand all of the criticisms. The ending, Adam, is worse than the Stillwater ending. It oh, is no. so fucking awful. <laughs> so bad. And there's a lot of like, you know, Lucille Ball as Mark Zuckerberg in Social Network in this. You know what I mean? Damn. There's like a lot of like, you know, Sorkin over-dramatizing stuff that doesn't need to be dramatized. However... This is the first workplace sitcom that Sorkin has made, I think, since uh, Studio 60. Studio 60? Studio 30? Right. It's not Studio 54. What is that? Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, right? Oh, yeah? Studio okay. 60 on the Sunset Strip. So this, you know, and in my opinion, like, Sorkin is a TV writer and should be a TV yeah, yeah, writer. Yeah. Has always been a TV writer. And, okay. like, his best stuff, whether it be Sports Night or West Wing or even parts of the newsroom... Um, I think leaned heaviest into like, this is just a show about people bickering with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what being the Ricardos was, I think at its best. And I think when Sorkin was in that mode, I was really digging it. The second we got to the heavy handed political stuff at the end, fucking hard pass, All right. hard pass, mm -hmm. such a bad ending, very flawed, but enjoyable movie. All right. That's it. Those are that's my it. honorable. Those are my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions, because I didn't actually say my honorable mentions. Uh, starting, okay, from 11 to, okay, 12. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus Christ. I'm messing everything up already. Hold on. There we go. Okay. So, last duel. So, I, I did actually include the father. Okay. I, I, I was like, yeah, I, I have to. I don't think you it know. counts. I think it does. Got a release in Spain. Oh, it got a release in Spain. You never make that argument. Got, it got a release in Spain. One day in Spain, man. Uh, <laughs> you, you talk about got whatever. Got a day in Spain. Wide releases are what's important if to you. If you can buy a ticket, if you can buy a I ticket. Could go to, I could go to Sundance and buy a ticket if I wanted. I don't think festivals count. Oh, what a Jesus Christ. No, it's it's one of those things. It's like you know it when you see it. You know what I, I mean? I'm not sure that's true this time. This is. I don't every, know. Macbeth is not getting a wide release until next week. That is true. Yeah. So I might consider it uh, 2022. You know? Yeah. It, it's one of those, you know, it when you see it. La last year was, I think, an exception. So, like, I think it gets a lot messier. Sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah. I think you know now what a 2021 movie is. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Which is the, yeah. I mean, Macbeth probably will be 2021, but yeah. still. Okay. Um, yeah, and then uh, Minari is on there too, but that one is was even more twenty twenty one ish, to my understanding. But Minari's a yeah, that's difficult. Any, but that's not what it was. It goes the father, no sudden move, Shiva baby, Minari. Sixteen was Power of the Dog. Seventeen was Judas and the Black Messiah. Eighteen was Passing. You uh, liked it, huh? I really liked it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really good movie. Uh, come on, come on, nineteen, and Spider Man No Way Home twenty. Wow, made a top yeah. twenty appearance. It did, it did, and yes, I've, I've been joking back and forth with Jabril. He he sent me this really funny tweet about someone saying like, "Are we, you know, are we really gonna pretend that these other movies are really that good?" Like, I'm sure uh, Spider Man's better than Belfast. And that's basically what the tweet said, and I right. said, "Well, the tweet's correct because yeah. it is better than Belfast." <laughs> It is better than Belfast. Belfast. Yet. I haven't seen Belfast. I'm Number really dreading Belfast. 
It's it's a it's a cute movie. It's number thirty seven on my list. Like whatever though, mm. it's another one of those movies where I just went, oh, that was nice. And that's that. Yeah, I mean, Spider Man's a weird one because I I absolutely enjoyed myself while watching mm-hmm. it, but I also acknowledged as I was watching it that this is like the downfall of cinema. So like it's it's laughing as Rome burns, you know, yeah. and I laughed hard. You know, (laughs) (laughs) okay. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's just like it's not really a movie. It's it's really fun, and it's it has good moments. I thought Andrew Garfield was uh, the standout. Was the standout, and that moment where he caught MJ uh, is great. Um, Willem Dafoe remains a god, but it's it's. I mean, we're just remixing other movies. This is Mm -hmm. what DJs do. Yep. This is not what the Beatles do. You know, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it was a troubling movie for me to put in my top twenty, but it's like I just went by like sheer enjoyment factor, and it's like, yeah, I guess it's not that bad either. But it is. It's like, is this really the? Like, I was just frustrated, but the, the you know the highest grossing movie of this year was going to be you know another fucking Marvel movie, even right. amidst all the COVID shit. It's like okay. Nobody cares about COVID when you're bringing back Tobey Maguire. I mean, that's really the bottom line is Maguire gets asses in seats no matter what, how many fucking pandemics are going around. He will physically put the asses in the seats if they're not there to begin with. Much like at his poker games. Yeah. (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) Okay, Toby. (laughs) We're done when I say we're done. (laughs) I want to see a movie about the life of Tobey Maguire. That would actually be kind of an interesting movie. Don't splash the pot. <laughs> oh, God. That's he's good in it. I liked yeah, him in it. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Everybody's that's good. All I have. That's everybody's all I have good. to say about it, though. Yeah, every, everybody's good. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It is what it, you know it is what it is. It is what it is, right. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, all right, Adam, that's a year. How about that? Not bad. Not bad. I think I think I saved this one. I think it was all me this time. I'll give you my top 10 and then you can give your top 11 here. Number 10, okay. old. Number nine for me was Zola. Eight, the worst person in the world. Seven, the novice. Six, the last duel. Five, pig. Four, the humans. Three is the green knight. Two is West Side Story. And my number one movie of the year. No surprises. Licorice pizza all right that's a good list that is a good list my list the the kooky list is uh 11 the last duel number 10 licorice pizza number nine titan number eight spencer number seven censor number six pig number five old henry number four knit ram number three summer of soul Number two, West Side, West Side Story, geez. Uh, and number one, Drive My Car. The Sultan of Sundance. Mm, I, I saved us here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went to Sundance. I didn't go to Sundance. I wish I had. The Czar of Tribeca. <laughs> that's what Adam was up to all those days. Yeah. <laughs> the Titan of Telluride. <laughs> it's Adam Hall. <laughs> I went crazy. I will admit, yeah. I went crazy. Oh, and also Dune's my favorite movie of the year. Boom, that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> don't don't soil your list, man. You had a real film bro list until you know, just until I mentioned Dune. Own it. Own <laughs> Nit Ram. Own it. it. <laughs> Own your Nit Ram. 
I like Dune more than Nitram. I'm sorry, but I think it's amazing that Nitram did make my list. <laughs> that is a weird one, isn't it? <laughs> it's a weird one. All right. Uh, that's, that's a podcast. Hell yeah. Guys, happy new year. Uh, we will be back in a few weeks to talk mm-hmm. about Macbeth, I guess, right? I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do uh, the best Macbeth adaptations of all time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about Joel Cohen's. Do we want to put that in there and just talk about it last? Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think sweet. we do that. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yep. Cool. Getting, right. getting shaky with it next week. Let me think. So so the, the nomination's pretty easy. I think you have Old Orson Billy Shakes. Wa- yeah, you tell me. Orson Welles, Akira Kurosawa's with Throne of Blood, which you have. You have my... my I have a Blu-ray cop- copy, yes. I yeah. Uh, Roman Polanski's, Justin Kurzel's, and now Joel Cohen. So the five. There we go. Okay. That's it. That's all we got for that. There's you could you could probably find more Macbeth movies, but those are like the the big ones. All right, we'll do that next week. Yep. All right. Awesome. Love you. Happy New Year, everybody. Adam, feel well. Stop infecting the world with this I'm virus, sorry. please. I'm sorry. Stop I'm, coughing in people's drinks. I honestly uh, got nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> Go out uh, and just cough in people's faces. <laughs> and until next time. Happy movie hopping?